All right, everybody, here we are. We're talking uh, season three, episode three. Uh, the second episode, uh, episode three, but it really, like, technically episode two, it gets confusing, but it's episode three because it was back to back episodes the first week. Uh, the Brainy Bunch, uh, boo to boo to boop, uh, and it opens with uh, the ticker tape machines, which now I'm in a paused mode. I can see has a. Uh, Kind of the strange uh, uh, cryptographic writing we've seen uh, on the screens of the computers in episode one and two. And it may be some other places. I hadn't been paying attention to it till just the second. Um, and Janet and uh, Michael are talking about, uh, you know, someone infiltrated the group. Uh, uh, not just anyone. It's Trevor. Bum, bum, bum. The worst in the universe, Michael says. Uh, and then we see Trevor with, uh, like, a snap-lit box of his Nana's lemon bars. And he's really trying to be delightful and hand them out. Uh, love them on my lips, hate them, hate them on my hips. Uh, and he's kind of, kind of planting seeds with Eleanor. He goes, geez, Eleanor, you're the reason this is all happening. You're the reason everybody's here. Uh, then something hug, maybe ug, lug, dug. There's a hug between Trevor and, or, Trevor and Eleanor. He's so happy. And then there's a glare right around a minute, and my time at least, a minute and two seconds in. And after his glare opens, episode 29. We're also at, I didn't look this one up, oops, uh, St. John's University established 1826. Uh, and then uh, Simone's sharing the secret signs or the secret things for uh Jason, uh, snorkel safe and whippet canisters. I just realized Chidi's got a really nice kind of yellow Oxford on it, and the stripe in his tie matches his shirt. Uh, and then uh, uh, Tahani says, Geez, uh, to Eleanor, I don't know about these machines we're going to go into, uh, uh, the you know, the chill chamber. She goes, If we're in a brassiere of thin gold, a thin brassiere of pure gold. Uh, then, uh, actually, if you watch it a second or third or fourth time, you kind of see uh, Jason's acting, uh, setting up something that comes later. Uh, but uh, uh, what's his name? Trevor says, what about my dank memes I've been sending, Eleanor? And he actually, this is a meme introduction. I didn't wasn't familiar with the darn Daniel meme. Uh, but then we see the payoff. Uh, Jason's trying to get superpowers. Uh much like uh, the the defender, uh, like uh, what's his name, Peter Parker, the, the superhero. Uh, Trevor and Mikey uh, meet up uh, in the hall. He kind of gets he says, "What's up with the Dick Tracy look?" Because uh, 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 Michael's in a what is that thing called a raincoat and a fedora, brown fedora. He says, yeah, Dick Tracy called. There's a lot of Dick Tracy jokes. There's also, like, one of those public, the kind of seen at the airport and other places where you can fill your water bottle, which you see in newer water fountains, which is a nice, great option. You say, well, you can fill your water bottle here, too, because uh, a lot of people carry, especially at the airport, a water bottle. Don't Here's a, here's a free pro tip, uh, and here's a great place. If you don't see them on sale, you could go to Monoprice, uh, Get yourself a nice, uh, smaller, vacuum-sealed uh, uh, water bottle, uh, similar to the mainstream brands. Monoprice usually has good prices, and usually they have sales all the time, too. 
And they have a nice little stubby one, I think a 12-ounce one that's good, or a, more of a 16-ounce or longer one I like. Uh, I mean, I drink a lot of water. Uh, it tells Trevor, uh, he's like, well, Jesus, every time Eleanor's asked for Chidi's help, uh, it's worked out. You're powerless to stop us. Uh, sweet desk, fane, or hub charger. Oh, so they have a back and forth. There's a great desk. I mean, I don't know. I don't go to university anymore. And I don't know if this is the case at other universities, but it has like this. Uh, I've seen these in podcast studios, like a headphone amplifier that everybody plugs their headphone into. This was a hub where you could charge your phone. And uh, I said, wow, that's convenient. Everybody can charge their phone. Uh, sweet desk, phone, hub charge. Eleanor kind of still wants one-on-one ethics lessons. She is a lovely uh, cayenne, cyan, is that an RGBCY? She has a lovely sweater on, but she's like, I think I work better one-on-one. Plus, Trevor's the worst uh, with the ethics lessons. Uh, But she's denied by Chidi. He says, this is going to work better. This is what I have time for. Yeah, there's also a mention of Tai Chi. I don't know if that was Trevor or who. Then uh, he says, let's go sightseeing. He starts calling them the E Street Band uh, because uh, I think he, cause he loves, I think cause he like is using Eleanor's initials and everything. He goes, I know the perfect place. She goes, no, I'm just going to have some suds and relax. He goes, oh, I know the perfect place. Uh, and then they go, they show an outside shot of the Cowboy Skyscraper Buffet, which had a sign with Uncle Sam that said, I want you to stuff yourself. Uh, and also on the roof, it has two giant flags, a bald eagle. Looks like it has a corkscrew slide inside, too. A Like a playroom. It has a Statue of Liberty, Empire State Building, Washington Monument, Hollywood Hills with fireworks, and bunting. And Trevor says, geez, can we get to Florida table? Smells just like a swamp. Uh, it's my favorite. And they say, no, it's here. But if you buy our Manifest Destiny package, you could just take it from the other group that's there. Alicone and Trevor. I don't know what that says. Oh, package. And Trevor has a backpack, which at first I said, what's up with that backpack? Uh, it seems out of place to me. But soon it won't. Uh, only over one shoulder. Then we see that monument on one wall of uh, that famous monument. I think it's called the Washington Monument. Uh, there's also a joke right here I don't get uh, that I didn't pick up on. They show shots of the buffet, but this Washington Monument, I get that one. It has Hasselhoff, uh, Hilton, Hogan. So David Hasselhoff, Paris Hilton, uh, Hulk Hogan, and then Judge Judy which her name's not a H, I don't believe. It, then they're at the Montana table, which has Dana Carvey playing the church lady on it. Uh, and I didn't know if the church lady's from Montana. I don't I don't know that. Uh, maybe it's just like a really buried thing I didn't get. Trevor pulls the, back, the sweatshirts out of his backpack that say the Brainy Bunch uh, that has everybody's picture on the team, including uh, Simone. I said that was nice to Trevor. Uh, Jason wants to give uh, everyone to give him a Transformers nickname. Uh, Eleanor, uh, uh, something Eleanor. He starts calling her uh, 
uh, like like e-based nicknames. Oh, maybe celebrate Eleanor while you're celebrating something jalapeno poppers. Oh, then Janet shows up. Yeah. Oh, Janice shows up. She says, while you're celebrating, could I suggest some uh, jalapeno poppers? Uh, Hi there. I'm Janet. Uh, Trevor has a WTF look on his face. Also in the background, we could see a Liberty Bell. They must have had trouble not laughing at some of this. Uh, um, in the background. Also on the table, I thought there was a giant bowl of whipped cream. Turns out it's popcorn. After five seconds, I saw that. They have some sort of 4th of July cocktail with apple pie, Coke, and Soco and a hubcap. Uh, then we see that Janet goes back to her workstation. She has no powers. Uh, uh, I will go get them, but I'll be watching. Oh, that's back and forth, I think, with Trevor. Then Trevor says, let's be roomies, all of us. Uh, and Jason says, roomies, like he loves the idea. He says, it'll be totes of fun. Then Janet is pouring drinks. She's pouring cider. Uh, and, and that, uh, but I mean, if, only someone that, I, I got a D, you know, I got an eye for those details. Uh, both Michael and Janet are out of sorts, you know, and this is like, they're, they're in unfamiliar territory. Especially Janet. Uh, focus on the mission, uh, Michael says. Uh, Trevor thinks is it. Uh, what does that mean? Trevor thinks is it. Uh, but they, he's, they plan, Trevor plants this idea. Is it okay for you to socialize with people, Chidi, in this study? And then Chidi's like, you're right, I got to get out of here. Uh, then he calls. Uh, he starts calling Eleanor L-Train. He says, well, these Star Wars movies, do you think there'll be another Spaceballs? Which I thought they heard they were working on that. Uh, then Eleanor's like, I got to get out of here, Trevor. Uh, then Janet spills a drink on Trevor. On purpose, accidental. Uh, Trevor says, don't worry, I have extra sweatshirts in my backpack. Uh, Trevor got, tra Trevor's trying to get uh, stir up trouble with Tahani and Jason, like get them uh, lit. Uh, then Michael goes up to Chidi. He's in librarian mode. Behind them is a flag made of tin cans, a USA flag, uh, in red, white, and blue cans. Uh, can't you ha have you as my confidant? Uh, I think Chidi says that to Eleanor. I thought we were friends, Eleanor says. Uh, Michael, librarian, Tahani and Jason are flirty. Trevor breaks a rule. Oh, he breaks a rule for se from season one. That gets you negative points. He tells Janet she'd get more tips if she smiled more. I don't think Alexander, who's told, uh, did Burr tell Hamilton that? Or was that, uh, they said talk less, smile more. But that wasn't a waitress, like, uh, like saying, hey, get more, you know, the Trevor stinks. Uh, oh, back to the librarian stuff, stuff I miss. Michael says, this is a librarian from the library. Uh, Oh, this was this was a little bit eye-opening, and then it was even more eye-opening later when I think about this Dank Daniel means, or Darn Daniel. He, 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 around 12 minutes in the episode, uh, Chidi, or no, uh, Jason and Tahani are flirting, and she says, you're so pretty, and Jason, Jason says, you're pretty, pretty beautiful. And Trevor has this interesting look on his face. It's both a satisfaction and some uncertainty or jealousy 
or something. Kind of like when you're looking, you're like looking into something, reflecting the sun, and you're saying, eh, "Like I don't know how to feel about this. Uh, I'm acting confident." I don't know. When I think about it, I'll talk about it with the Daniel meme. And then, no, back to the librarian. He says, we do have a a, a saying in the librarian game. There's only room for one male subject in academic study, so keep the first one that showed up. Uh, Then Eleanor shows up with a warm root beer for Chidi. He's like, I got to leave. Eleanor leaves. Uh, Then we're in the restroom. There's license plates all over the walls. Uh, Trevor says, I like the smells in here. And Trevor's gloating. He's like, this is too easy. Why don't you just give up? Oh, this is what's on the back of the Brady Bunch sweatshirt. I went to Australia, and all I got was this lousy cross-disciplinary academic study and something of new best friends. Uh, you couldn't read that. Uh, I just saw Trevor's look. It's right around 12 minutes, 11.50 or something. With commer- Yeah, I don't know. I'm skipping that. Uh, the next day we're at Chidi's office. He's wiped out. He didn't sleep good. Simone says, are you all right? You didn't sleep at all last night. I said, what? Sleep over with, like, so that's advanced to the relationship, uh, to total sleepover stage. And uh, he says, you need this study to be airtight, the ethical question of, uh, you know, friendship. Uh, I can't deal with this right now. I've been waiting my whole career for a thesis subject uh, and she says, well, you bit into a raw egg this morning like it was an apple. He said, well, I thought it was hard-boiled. She goes, it still has a shell on it. And then we see Jason and Trevor doing a secret friend handshake, uh, which is kind of some itsy-bitsy spider move. Uh, Tahani rolls in in sunglasses. Uh, so this is where we really see the shining of uh, Kirby Hal Batista. She is who plays Simone. And right around 1450... Uh, into the show, she, like, so Tahani rolls in. She has sunglasses. She says, don't look at me. No one look at me. And just this wonderful moment of acting where she says, I don't even know what to do. Uh, Simone, I said, holy, what skilled, high-level uh, performance. Uh, it just it just really made me laugh. Uh, and it was just so from character. Uh, Tahani says she's overhung. Sorry for my uncouth behavior. I have formal letters of letters of apology for everybody. Jason, you know, uh, Trevor's hoping for trouble, but she says Jason was a gentleman. And this one took a lot of rewinding, but uh, or whatever you call it, backing. Uh, so in front of Jason is a sideways notebook, and it says history of. And it took me a while. Like, he's taking notes. It's in giant letters, and he's retracing the letters. And it says, finally, I found a history of Phil and Sophie. Uh, and then that took me a little bit while, while longer. Phil, Phil and Sophie. Phil and Sophie. Uh, he says, Tahani, you're the formalist person I know. It could be fanciest person. Chidi goes to Eleanor's motel or whatever. She's in bed reading Aus Weekly, AUS Weekly. It says, Hemsworthless, uh, meet Larry, the Hemsworth brother you didn't, they didn't want you to know about. There's also like an Omega, Omega Watch style ad on the back for a boomerang. On Eleanor's wall above her nightstand is a, a koala eating, like a eucalyptus or whatever. Motel wall eating. Yeah, Chidi's still out of it from being too overtired. 
needs the podcast is what he needs. Uh, Eleanor actually, at first she has a concern to like, uh, and then she goes into to kind of uh, the, the you know less progressive Eleanor, and she says, "I'm going to head back to uh, Arizona." Uh, and they go back for she goes. Finally, I have a path to why because of you. Uh, you're so brave to come out here in the first place. He says, just give me three months as a friend uh, to stick this study out. At first, Eleanor's like, no, 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 no. I, you know what? This is, dude, I'm not. The, and, and then she goes, you know what? Yeah, fine. Friendships, you're good at, you talked me into it. Uh, uh, Chidi says, come on. And he walks the wrong day. She's way, way. She says, I'll drive. Uh, then we're in another bathroom again. Trevor's there. He walks in. And the bathroom wall behind him was an ad for the campus band battle, surfing and paddleboard lessons, International Student Association. And Michael says, Dick Tracy called. I was right. Uh, uh, and then they go back and forth. And he, he says, importantly, like, uh, these four humans are all I care about. And then the warp door opens, and uh, it's a doorman. And he says, the judge wants to see you. And then he says, he looks around and he goes, so this is Earth. And he's in the, he turns on the water and he kind of flicks it with his hands in this playful way. He goes, oh, pretty cool. And then they go back to the bridge. And also, I forgot, maybe I forgot to mention, the judge is played by a wonderful, the transcendent Maya Rudolph. Uh, so that was a delight last season, just as a fan. Uh, in this scene, she's just doing a lot and a lot with her arms later in the scene. But they're back on the bridge. She says, how many times did I tell you to go back to Earth? Uh, Mike goes, well, technically. She goes, one time. Uno, one time. Uh, also, I noticed Trevor was in his top gun coat at this point. Now he's back uh, on another plane of existence. Uh, Trevor said, oh, he tries to, the, uh, uh, what's that, Beaver Cleaver dude. Tries sucking up to her. She flicks him away. Word, she goes, you guys are messing with the, you're messing with all the timelines. There's been weird stuff. England left Europe. Hugh Jackson made a musical about P.D. Barnum. It made $400 million. Uh, Blake Bortles and Jacksonville are going to make the playoffs. He's pretty good. They're pretty okay. Or it's, uh, you know, we haven't decided. And she goes, it's your fault. Uh, no more messing around. We're go-. And she goes, you know, leave them be. We're going to go to the bad place. Uh, her arms are moving a ton. She goes, Byron Allen owns the Weather Channel. Uh, then she uh, bounds, pause, back, back sees. Uh, I don't know what that says, but basically Janet's powers come back. Oh, power's back. Uh, and uh, first a lazy boy chair appears, and she says, geez, I'm like a printer. Once the print queue starts going, uh, Janet... You know, you better watch out. Then looks a dish of food could be fried rice, a sea turtle, uh, then a rug. Uh, what does that say? Luggage. Uh, Rita. Oh, Pee Wee's bike. A, a Pee Wee style bike. A pi- pile of boxes or something. Yeah, fancy shopping box. Like kind of like a. It was something you see in a really fancy house with like a decorative boxes inside an urn uh, three cups of takeout coffee appear in different places a high, a high hair dryer plates and bowls and a file cabinet uh 
what does that say? Schwappy cut uh, a tractor, a ladder. What does that say? Shopping cart. That's what it says. For 500 scoots, what does your handwriting say? Shopping cart. It looks like Schweppes cat. A jet ski, a bunch of barrels, uh, a giant billboard that says Trevor Stinks, Janet. Uh, one of those running things. I, I forgot what it was called. Then I remembered it. What is it called? Uh, Pacerizer. Where you walk in place. Walk around. Run in place. Uh, running. I don't know what they're called. Uh, you see, I'm going to go when I'm at the hotel. I'm going to go downstairs and run on the treadmill. There you go. It's like a $1,000 pyramid with one person. Uh, a giraffe. A trebuchet. A cable car. What does this say? Stem raker, a traffic cones, oh, steamroller, yeah, steam, steamroller, a kite or some sort of kite-like thing, maybe a windmill. I, I Believe me, I paused it a lot. Uh, it's all building up, they say, and then uh, Michael says, it's between them and the judge. So Michael says, let's go. And they face, he faces off with the doorman. Yeah, and they lock eyes, and he basically throws Michael the keys, and he says, uh, good luck, Frogman, I'm pulling for you. And uh, then they get away, and then the judge gets through. She goes, what happened? Uh, he goes, they got away. And she goes, thanks, thanks a lot, Jeff, thanks. So it turns out the uh, uh, doorman's person's name's Jeff. And that's it. That was the end of the episode. Delightful episode. A lot of interesting things did come up, though, for us. Uh, so let's dive in and uh, see. Let's start with the IMDb page uh, for uh, Kirby Hall Batiste, uh, who's an actress and writer, writer from London. Uh, here she starred in Echo uh, the West End play uh, with uh, the Talwa. Uh, with the Talawa Theater Company, uh, Britain's foremost black-led theater company, uh, she's been she's in Upright Citizens Brigade now in L.A. Uh, and I mean, not anymore. I mean, once like she, once the, she, now she's world famous. I mean, now this was just I don't know how long she's on the season for, but uh, I would expect. But uh, oh, I was trying to read her IMDb page. Sorry, uh, but. Uh, I would expect that her career, like I say, well, we, we saw her when she was on uh, The Good Place. I mean, just from some of the small things, but it looks like she's been in uh, Big Farm for Eve, uh, Barry, uh, Downward Dog, uh, Love. Uh, she, I'll link to some of the, she's been in a bunch of Earwolf podcasts, so I'll link to a bunch of them. Yeah, but really delightful. Uh, let's see. Then Trevor mentioned lemon bars. Uh, so I looked up some recipes for lemon bars just to see, I mean, you know what a lemon bar looks like? Uh, I don't have them very often, but I said, what is it like? Uh, what's in a lemon bar? Like, let's uh, it says it's easy. This is according to the pioneer woman, uh, June 22nd, 2015, uh, 40 minutes of prep time, 15 minutes, uh, co- or 40 minutes of cook time, 15 minutes of prep time. Had no idea of lemon bars. How I knew you. Uh, paraphrasing from the Pioneer Woman, they often for, fall by the wayside and get for, by, forgotten for months at our house. Uh, we're more of a chocolate chip uh, cookie, chocolate anything, and then fruit cobblers and crisps. Uh, 
But sometimes they got to get lemon bars back in the game. Uh, when they do, they go over well. Uh, but also, she says, uh, I'm a little weird about them. And I tend to not love them if they're made with lemon filling with a super thin crust. Uh, so mine have a thicker cookie crust and a not-too-thick layer filling. Give them a try. So basically, you butter pan, uh, butter it some more. Then you make the base uh, with flour and sugar, salt, and then a slow internet connection. Uh, whisk it, a lot of butter that you cut up uh, into cubes. It looks like you may need a pastry cutter. Until uh, you make it lumpy sand or coarse crumbs. Uh, then uh, put that in the dish. Oh, oh, wow, this seems, it does seem easy. Uh, press it along the edges, uh, 350 for 20 minutes. Uh, then make the filling, which is sugar, flour, zest, uh, nice pile of zest. Uh, then... Uh, lemon juice. Let's see. Um, like about four lemon lemon juices, uh, and then a bunch of eggs, and you mix that all together. Whisk it. Pour the juice in. Throw in the zest. Uh, that's the filling. Then you take the base out, uh, and uh, test it. Uh, then. Pour the filling in, cover it, uh, then put it back in the oven until it sets. Uh, and then it looks like you sprinkle, what's that stuff called? Uh, uh, powdered sugar over the surface of the bars. And then that's it. You cut them up and it looks like it's good to go. So nothing too mysterious. I don't know why, like, uh, I would have thought it would have taken 50 hours. Okay, so then there's this meme that uh, both uh, 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 Trevor and uh, Jason like called Darn Daniel, which I'd never seen before. And it's basically, well, I'll read this article from The Verge. Uh, it's a couple of years old, the, the meme. Yeah, this article is from February 23rd, 2018. It's by Caitlin Tiffany, uh, two years off after Darn Daniel. Two years ago, you know, you're, you were a little bit younger. And you've just seen Beyonce's Super Bowl halftime show. And not only after that, a series of Snapchats were combined into a short video and tweeted by Riverside Polytechnic High School student Josh. Uh, and they were of his friend, uh, uh, pictures of, like videos of his friend Daniel wearing sneakers where he would say, darn Daniel. Uh, and then one time he said, back at it again with the white vans. And this is where the article really captures this. He sort of laughs in the middle of that sentence, a kind of failure to keep composure that's specific to that time in your life when you're a teenager and you have basically no other responsibilities other than laughing and, I don't know, reading books. You're certain that the 14 or so people who matter most to you in your life are fun, the only funny and interesting people on the planet uh, and the only people on the same page as you. And you yourself are so funny and interesting for now. You know, you feel so great. Uh, and so this came out, and it's just like a clip of him, like, uh, basically uh, pumping his friend up. And, I mean, the article goes on to, to discuss a bunch of, you know, the history and, and, and what's become of the two two young men. Yeah, but what I thought was just interesting is that Trevor likes this positive meme. 
I mean, maybe it's the fake Trevor that likes lemon bars. Yeah, but it's just something about the way Trevor's looking at uh, Jason and Tahani. I just wonder where, where things are going. I mean, maybe not. Maybe Trevor's just uh, uh, anything. But so the next thing that comes up is, uh, naturally is Dick Tracy. And I'm going to stick to the 90s, Dick Tracy, just because there's so much to cover. And uh, also because I have this personal connection to some of the music. But it was a 1990 American action comedy film based on the 1930s comic strip character. Uh, Warren Beatty produced, directed, and starred in the film. It also included Al Pacino, Madonna, uh, Glenn Headley, Charlie Corsmo. And it depicts uh, the detective's uh, love relationships with Breathless and Mahoney and Tess Trueheart, as well as his, uh, you know, his action parts. Uh, and it also begins his upbringing of the kid. The development of the film started in the 80s with the screenplay being written and going through different writers and directors, including Spielberg, Landis, Walter Hill, Richard Benjamin, and then it arrived to, to Beatty. It was filmed in Universal Studios. Danny Elfman did the score. But there was three different soundtracks for this. Uh, I mean, this was back when CDs and tapes got sold. It was released in 1990 to mixed reviews, but was a success at the box office and awards time. Sad seven Academy Award nominations uh, and won in three categories. Best Original Song, Best Makeup, and Best Art Direction. The sequel was planned, but they didn't work out, uh, even though it got resolved in 2013. Uh, Beatty did do a Dick Tracy TV special in 2008. It's set in the 1930s, but I don't want to go into the uh, the cast, uh, or I mean the plot of the cast. Uh, I'm thinking about it. I think I've only watched this movie maybe once, maybe twice, uh, and probably under the influence the second time. Uh, Beatty had already had a concept as early as 1975, but they couldn't get the rights. Uh, let's see. Uh, the, yeah, like we said, it kind of went around, uh, and they were trying to figure out who to, who to pair it with, uh, you know, lots of different angles, uh, lots of different leads. Harrison Ford, Richard Gere, Tom Selleck, Mel Gibson, uh, let's see, Walter Hill, Joel Silver were involved for a little while. Uh, Beatty was like, I'll do it for five mil plus 15%. Uh, and, uh, they, like, so they went through a bunch of things. Uh, and they, you know, when Beatty came back, he left, came back, uh, he tried to get Pacino. Then he was like, De Niro, uh, Madonna was pers- pursued the part, according to this, uh, offering to work for scale. And uh, let's see, filming began, uh, design. Okay, well, let's read about a little bit about the music. Then that's uh, oh, and the marketing. So Elfman did the score uh, based on the success of Batman. Uh, Elfman enlisted the help of Oingo Boingo uh, lead guitarist uh, Steve Bartek and Shirley Walker to help. And uh, so they were approaching a different quality and way than Batman. Incredible sense of non-reality. Uh, Steven Sondheim did five original songs. Uh, 
Sooner or later, I always get my man more. Live it alone and like it. Bank and business and what can you lose? Uh, Sooner or later, a more were performed by Madonna. Uh, What can you lose was a duet with Mandy Batinkin, Mel Torme. Uh, Oh, with Mandy Batinkin. Maybe with Madonna. Mel Torme saying, live it alone and like it. And back in business was performed by Janice Siegel. Uh, uh, Lorraine Feather, back in business. Okay. Uh, Dick Tracy was the first film to use digital audio, uh, which Elfman didn't really like. He detested uh, scoring and dubbing in cinema. Uh, film music took a, uh, uh, film music as an art took a deep plunge when Dolby Stereo has hit. It has the capacity to make or- orchestral music sound big and beautiful and expansive, but it can also make sound effects uh, uh, take a higher spot than music. Uh, so Disney was the one putting this movie out. They marketed, they had a successful marketing campaign with Batman. With high concept promotion, McDonald's tie-in, a Warren Beatty interview uh, in 2020 with Barbara Walters. Uh, they had a Roger Rabbit cartoon short, Roller Coaster Rabbit, at the top of the film. Television advertisements uh, based on the kid. 28 TV advertisements, toys with 15 Dick Tracy figures. It was Madonna's idea to include the film as part of her blonde ambition world tour. Uh, prior, prior to the 1990 theatrical release, Disney had already done a Dick Tracy musical stage theater show in Disneyland and Disney World uh, using the Sondheim and Elfman music. Uh, uh, Disney stores in the 1990s were selling tons of Tracy merchandise. Uh, they uh, had a novelization. Uh, they were even thinking about doing theme park rides. Uh, but so, but I actually for Christmas uh, got uh, one year. It, I think it was cassette tape and not a CD. Uh, I'm breathless. Music from and inspired by the film Dick Tracy by Madonna. And yeah, I'm a Madonna fan. I always was. In 1990, I got it. I guess. Uh, or I guess I would have got Christmas of 1990. It came out in May. Uh, let's see. After filming was complete, Madonna began work on the soundtrack with Sondheim, Patrick Leonard, and Bill Buttrell. Uh, she, uh, oh, wait a second, Vogue? No wonder. Holy cow. So this was the album Vogue was on. Uh, musically, I'm Breathless consists predominantly of jazz, swing, and pop songs. Uh, reflected, uh, influenced by Madonna's relationship with Beatty. Wanted to create music that would fit the style and production of the film. Uh, she has a duet. Uh, in support of I'm Breathless and uh, her previous album, Like a Prayer, Madonna embarked on the Blonde Ambition World Tour, where a se- section was dedicated to her songs from the album. Uh, you know, she definitely had some, uh, like, ups and downs, like, uh, with... Uh, you know, those the nineties were still a bit like the eighties with uh, people saying, Oh, we want everything vanilla and, and Madonna was saying, Heck no. Uh most critics applauded the Sondheim numbers and Madonna's vocals. Uh, some said some of the non film songs weren't as good. 
sooner or later won the Academy Award for Best Original Song, and Breathless was com- commercially successful. Uh, number one in Europe, uh, it hit the top of the charts in Australia, Germany, and Japan. Uh, number two in the USA Billboard 200, double platinum. And of course, I you know I listened to it. I don't think I've listened to it in a long time. Let's see if we can get a list of the tracks here. Vogue, uh, I mean, just Vogue alone. Come on, and no wonder I knew that. I know that song so well. Uh, let's see if there's any other songs I recognize. Uh, he he's a man. Sooner or later, hanky panky. I'm going bananas. Uh, Cry baby. Something to remember. Back in business more, what can you lose? Now I'm following you in vogue. So, you know, I'll be listening to that later. And the uh, I'll probably listen to all three. Okay, let's switch gears. And speaking of switching gears, uh, Tai Chi was brought up. I can't remember if Trevor brought it up or what, but uh, let's just do a brief Wikipedia. Uh, it's a Chinese martial art practice for both its defense training and health benefits. It refers to, to the forces of yin and yang related to the moves. Uh, though originally conceived as martial art, it's uh, typically practiced, practiced for a variety of personal reasons. Uh, so there's multiple frame, training forms, both traditional and modern. And uh, it's spread wild, worldwide. There's different schools. Uh, uh, the concept of the Thai... Taj, uh, Supreme Ultimate with the Wuj, uh, without Ultimate, appears in both Taoist and Confucian Chinese philosophy. It involves five elements, uh, Dao Lu, uh, solo hand movements, uh, Nei Gong and Gai Gong, uh, uh, breathing movement and self-awareness exercises. I'm mean, going to have to try this. Uh, uh, Tu Shu and San Shu uh, response and uh, well, some of like uh, uh, it's, uh, some of it's typified by its slow movements, many styles. Uh, so it's interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see, and I'm not sure if it's Tai Chi or another form of slow martial arts, but I see this a lot in the Bay Area. Uh, and I say, man, it looks great. Okay, let's get through these. East Street Band is uh, an American rock band, like I mentioned, uh, for Eleanor's backing band, I guess. Uh, it, they were Bruce Springsteen's backing band since 72, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2014. Uh, they've also performed with Bob Dylan, Rolling Stones, Meatloaf, Neil Young, Lou Reed, Bonnie Tyler, Air Supply, so many more. Uh, they've also recorded solo material and pursued careers as session musicians, record producers, songwriters, actors. Uh, most well-known are either Max Weinberg, who led his own band and then on The Late Show, and then Tonight Show with Conan and O'Brien, and then Stephen Van Zandt, who was in HBO Show, uh, and then uh, Lily Hammer. Oh, The Sopranos is HBO Show, sorry, yeah. Uh, Clarence Clemens is probably, for some reason, that's the person I know the best. Uh, I think maybe Clarence Clemens is just, to me, the, the coolest. No offense to Max or uh, Stephen or anybody else that I don't know. Who's this Dana Carvey person I brought up? 
uh, pretty, pretty big influence on me. Uh, stand-up comedian and actor uh, known for his work on Saturday Night Live and Wayne's World films, as well as impressions of uh, George H.W. Bush, Ross Perot, and in this case, SNL characters, the church lady, also as Hans of Hans and Franz. Oh, Car- Car- Carvey was born in Missoula, Montana. For some reason, I thought he was Canadian. So there you go. That's why he's from Mon- Montana. Uh, Carvey's dad is Brad Carvey, the engineer of Video Toaster, which was early, I believe, a video editing thing. Uh, Garth is based loosely on uh, Brad, his brother. Garvey was in a, a, a couple movies in uh, a television sitcom, a uh, small role in Spinal Tab, uh, which he was a mime. Uh, he's been in videos, uh, short-lived TV series Blue Thunder. Uh, then he was in Tough Guys in 86. Uh, he was in the finalist for the Nickelodeon game show Double Dare, but obviously he didn't get that, uh, but I guess that worked out. Oh, no, he withdrew his name from consideration after he was cast on Saturday Night Live in 86. That's when he became a household name with Phil Hartman, Kevin Nealon, Jan Hooks, and Victoria Jackson and kind of brought a revitalization to, to uh, SNL. Uh his breakout character, the church lady, was an uptight, smug, and pious host of Church Chat. Uh, Carvey said he based the character on a woman he knew from church while growing up, uh, who would later keep track of other church who was keep track of other churchgoers' attendance. Uh, so do yourself a favor, watch some of those on YouTube. Uh, he became so associated with the character that later cast members such as Chris Farley referred to Carvey simply as the lady. Uh, but then he would, again, hit a uh, pretty uh, uh, big fame with uh, Wayne's World. Also in 92 was when third-party candidate Ross Perot was in a three, like he was even in the debates. Uh, and so that was big. Uh, uh, NBC executives hoped Carvey would take over the 1230 night spot uh, when Letterman moved to 1130. Yeah, but that spot went to Conan O'Brien. Uh, so it's just a little bit about it, it really, but I mean, someone I, like, I, like I remember as kids saying, holy cow, this Dana Carvey's the best. Uh, yes, I didn't know he's from Montana though. So like, what about root beer? I drink it, but I don't know what it is really. Maybe even I've probably covered it on the podcast before. Eleanor gives Cheetah a warm glass of it. Uh, sweet American soft drink, uh, made using, uh, the sassafras tree. Or the sarsaparilla, sim- Similax or Ornata, is the primary flavor. It can have booze or no booze. Uh, it can naturally free your caffeine or have caffeine added, carbonated or non-carbonated. Usually has a thick, foamy head when poured. Uh, modern commercial, uh, commercially produced root beer is generally sweet, foamy, carbonated, non-alcoholic. And artificially sassafras flavored, sassafras sassafras root is still used to flavor traditional root beer, uh, but usually it's just artificial because they said uh, major producers include uh, Dr Pepper, Snapple, Coca Cola, Sprecher, Dad's, Berghoff, Whole Foods, and Stewart's. Uh, sassafras root beverages were made by the indigenous peoples of the Americas uh, for culinary and medicinal reasons. 
before the freaking, uh, uh, yeah, before people showed up, uh, then the Europeans kind of repurposed their techniques, uh, and it was sold in confectionery stores since the 1840s. Uh, there's been recipes documented since the 1860s. Could have been combined with soda in the 50, in the 1850s. Uh, pharmacist Chester Elmer Hires was the first to successfully market a commercial brand of root beer. Hires developed his root tea from Sassafras in 1875 and showed a commercial version at the Philadelphia Centennial Exposition in 1876. Uh, began selling his extract, uh, but uh, coal miners, he wanted to call it root tea, but coal miners call it, wanted it called root beer. One of Hire's earliest competitors was Barks. Uh, uh, then Roy Allen opened A&W, then IBC. So it was interesting. All those are still around. Uh, so that's a little bit about root beer. Uh, boomerangs uh, also got a little play in this episode. And it used to be a popular gift that was like never used or used once. Uh and, uh, like, uh, it's a thrown tool typically constructed as a flat airfoil designed to spin about an axis perpendicular to the direction of flight, a returning boomerang designed to return to the thrower. It was used by indigenous Australians, uh, for, uh, providing, uh, historically they've been used for providing sport and entertainment. And, uh, now they're thought of as an Australian icon. Uh, historically, is a traditionally a long uh, wooden device, uh, uh, but they've been made from different materials, uh, also aircraft plywood, plastics, uh, even high-tech materials. Uh, they come in many shapes and sizes depending on their origin. Many people will think of it as an Australian type, although there are many... Uh, um, many types of easily usable boomerangs uh, of other types, including the cross stick, the pinwheel, and the tumble stick, and the boomer bird. Uh, important distinction should be made between returning boomerangs and non-returning boomerangs, especially before you throw it. Uh, returning boomerangs fly and are an example of the earliest heavier-than-air human-made flight. Uh, is two or more airfoil wings arranged so spinning creates an unbalanced aerodynamic forces that curve its path. So it, it travels an elliptical path and returns to its uh, point of origin when thrown correctly. Uh, while a throwing stick can also be shaped like a boomerang, someone from a throwing stick organization must have wrote this. Uh, it's designed to travel as straight as possible so it can be aimed and thrown with great force. Uh, so it is a little bit about boomerangs. Uh, lastly, who was this Byron Allen that came up? I didn't know who that was or whom. Uh, and, uh, it's an American comedian. It must be someone that they, uh, on the show, comedian and television producer, uh, the uh, chief executive of the U.S. television production company Entertainment Studios, a co-host of Real People, the Byron Allen Show. I must have, like, uh, Somehow I missed out on this. Uh, at 18, Allen made his television b- debut on Johnny Carson. Maybe I've seen him. Real people. I thought I've seen that show. Uh, his show, Kicking It with Byron Allen, uh, was uh, Byron Allen. Why? 
Why can I not picture this in my head? Yeah, one hour, uh, Entertainers with Byron Allen was another show. Uh, 93, he formed uh, Entertainment Studios. Allen, he did. He acquired the television assets of the Weather Channel for approximately $300 million in 2018. So I guess that was true. So that's why it got brought up. Uh, they said, why is it weird? They said, I don't know. It just is. Uh, so, yeah, it's a little bit about that. Uh, get in, snuggle in, and uh, listen to these thank yous. Good night. All right, thanks and, thanks and good night to everybody, almost everybody that reviewed the uh, show on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Pixie J- J- JXX did not like the show. Uh, get your words out. One star. Om- OMG. Had to turn it off because I couldn't handle how he talks. Uh, stutters, uh, slurs, and if you'll uh, listen to him try to talk, no thanks. Uh, if you're someone who gets frustrated at people who can't speak clearly, this will do the opposite of put you to sleep. Uh, thanks, Pixie. Uh, Brittany V. from Canada. They're from Australia. Brittany V.'s from Canada. She says, finally. Or they say, finally. Uh, struggled with insomnia since 2013. And been doing a lot to try to fix it. Counseling, bedtime routine, no caffeine, different uh, things to take by mouth, uh, distracting myself with audiobooks or TV or movies I've seen a million times, and nothing works consistently. It's been about two weeks since I found the podcast. It took me three nights to get used to, but now I'm on night seven of a normal nighttime sleep. I've turned it on after I read a book, taken my sleeping pills, and settled down. Uh, it helps me feel not feel alone. Gives my brain something to focus on instead of running anxious thoughts. Uh, it's like having someone chill being at with you at times that are frustrating and feel so lonely. This is the whole purpose of the podcast. Thank you for this review. It's uh, not the only thing contributing to good sleep, but it has really helped facilitate the other habits that help me relax. I have no idea what the podcast is about. I can't remember any stories. I guess that means it's working. Uh, Man P says, uh, Star Trek Trek recaps are worth it alone. TNG recaps are genius, and I sort of wish uh, it was just that, uh, honestly. Uh, Grateful, that's from uh, Love uh, uh, Deloka. Living Love Deloka, as we say. The podcast helped me not only fall asleep, but stay asleep after waking up consistently at 3.30 a.m., this podcast has helped me through the night. I don't know how it works, but it does. Love, thanks, Scooter. Uh, Love Magnet 71 from uh, Denmark says this really works. You tried all kinds of advice for falling asleep, but this is the first one that works. You try to listen. After a while, you realize nothing important is being said. Still, stream of words in a way are in the way of your own thoughts. He mixes in meaningless words. Your brain goes, oh, I don't have to try to figure this out. I'm leaving, and you go to sleep. I'm so grateful for this nonsense. Uh, Lisa, uh, K dog says the best sleep podcast I found odd, but endearing. It'll be on my tombstone probably. Uh, maybe just, or maybe just odd. I'll say, so well, let's save money. We'll just put odd. uh, they charge 10 bucks a letter. I very much enjoy his original stories. I often fall asleep before his stories are finished, but I go back the next night and finish it off. It's not unusual. I'll listen to the same story three nights before I'll finish it. Also enjoy letting it run all night when I wake up. He's there chatting me back to sleep. Thanks. Uh, here's a, you know, uh, a RX a substitute. Normally I take a RX to sleep, but uh, after two months, uh, 
I've just taken 10 MGs of sleep with me. Melodic butter indeed. Remember when I invented that? This is from the felines in the U.S. So sometimes while falling asleep, I hear something that makes me giggle. Uh, I don't try trying to follow the story makes me overthink, but thank you. Uh, in-depth review to come. That was from the felines. Oddly enough, this is from iCat Jaguar, who says absolute waste. And, you know, they, they go on for more of a tangent. Uh, Broke from Sweden says the podcast is pure gold. And uh, LR uh, Connor 27, the best. Uh, thanks, MFM podcast. Uh, you're the best, Scooter. Been listening for a month and never make it past the intro. Well, thanks, everybody, that took the time to review the show. You can do that over in your Apple Podcast app on your phone, or uh, you can do it uh, on iTunes. Uh, Sleeping Me is listener-supported through people that source the show directly or through the sponsors. And we're barred in Night Vale Presents. Uh, you can find all their amazing shows, lots of new shows launching over there, uh, nightvalepresents.com. And PRX, you're going to see everything they're doing at prx.org. And they're here. Let me tuck you in. Cue up another episode if you need it. I'm here to help. Good night. All right. So we're talking uh, season three, episode four, the snowplow of the good place. It opens in a bathroom, into the bathroom, through the portal. Come uh, Michael and Janet, right from last episode. It's a kind of a very deep indigo uh, blue, the walls. Uh, deeper on the second shot than the first shot. Uh, and let's see. Oh, the keys ring. They're trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, because you went right from last episode. Almost the same. Not as per- Janet's dress is purple. So walls are kind of a deep navy. I didn't use, think to use the two as a point of reference, but this time I am. Uh, Michael's keys ring, or the magic keys ring, which we'll find out are magic keys. At first, I thought the, um, oh, wait a second, I'm just noticing, uh, got to pause it here. I'm just seeing uh, some of the things on the left wall of the bathroom, the announcements. There's one, uh, hey, I'm looking for this person. It's a drawing of a person in a turtleneck. Uh, there's also piano lessons, uh, something, screen. Film screening, that one I can't quite make out. Uh, two different piano lesson flyers in green and yellow. But who is this person they're looking for in the uh, black turtleneck? I wonder. wonder if that's a hint or it's just there. Oh, but so the keys ring, not the keychain. It's the judge, Maya Rudolph. She's using her hands a lot again in different ways in the last episode. She's not happy. And Michael, they try to pretend it's a bad cell phone signal. She says, it's a magical key, Dinky Poos. I know that it is perfect service. Then they get to work. They leave the restroom. It cuts to a whole empty floor. Michael says, "What's on? what was on this floor? Why is it empty? And Janet says, oh, it's a journalism floor. And Michael says, bad for the world, good for us. Uh, and uh, then they say, oh, this was expository, important expository information. They say there's no way to track point totals here up up, up uh, where we are, uh, which I didn't know. Uh, so, and uh, glow squeaky chin. Oh, uh, Eleanor has a glow squeaky, squeaky chin. Or as a, what really is, is Eleanor has a squeaky chair. 
uh, which you can you gotta watch these episodes for the payoffs of the jokes. Uh, it, they've begun stage two of the study. Uh, chair. Oh, yeah. Uh, then uh, Jason kind of underlines uh, Eleanor's joke. Then it opens. Uh, uh, chapter thirty. Jason really is uh, all, like uh, this episode. Uh, Man, he's crushing it. Uh, uh, let's see. Concepts uh, at right and wrong, conduct, truth, justice, beliefs. These are probably things from the um, chalkboard. Oh, yeah. Jason rules. This is one of the best jokes in all three seasons uh, with Cupcakes and Jason. So watch the episode. Uh, j- like, uh, There's just a couple high points for Jason in this uh but this was one of the high points in all three seasons for me. Yeah, just really, really funny. Uh, then they all say ventral medial prefrontal cortex. Uh, oh, Eleanor talks about how she avoids group uh, functions. Uh, Jaguars rule. Uh, then there's a couple of these. I don't know if this is a montage or or what do they call it, but it's like a, it shows time passing in four rectangles with four different uh, things. Kind of something, you know, layover from the 60s, 70s gets used. It's fun. In the first four rectangles, the first on the left-hand corner is Cheaty Teaching. Below him is Eleanor uh, with a bandana and stuff uh, with wires she's undergoing through something. Cheaty Shack continues to change from uh, Socrates to Plato to Aristotle. There's also a shot in the upper right corner of Tahani focusing on learning or something. And then the bottom right is just Simone studying, like, wavelengths on her computer. Uh, then it's three months later. Oh, also, okay, we're in the office. Uh, a lot of good details in this episode. So we're, we're, we're at the journalism office. Uh, Michael and Janet are working, and we see there's a lot of Post-its. Uh, so that's, like, already a payoff from how they're keeping score. Couldn't view all of them. But the ones I did view, uh, let's see, one has just cheaty, and then he has one, two, three, four, five, six check marks, marks, then a line down the middle, and then two. So I don't know if those were good check marks and bad check marks. Uh, this, this says uh, sleepy, one says, and then I couldn't read the rest. Uh, Tahani dropping again. Like, oh boy, her score's dropping. Then there's another one with Cheaty with star, dash, a star, dash, a star. And then another line with a star. Uh, another thing says, Tahani looks in A. Then something, I put a question mark and then hash marks, uh, or hatch marks, they call them. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. Uh, you know, four lines with a line through it. Uh, Jason mentions Jaguars. I didn't have, I didn't have the ability to count those, but there's lots of hash marks. Uh, and then there's a note Jana wrote, Jason is very, I would assume it's S-E-X-Y, and, but I couldn't see that word. I could only see a smiley face below it. Yeah, so there's a couple of things in the post office and their, uh, their post-its on their office. Eleanor needs a job, but she also has a Thunderbolt, uh, glitter shirts. I think I mentioned in the intro is like, I don't know if her clothing is themed towards celestial bodies this season or just an occasional theme, but this episode it is. 
But last, I said, oh, it was some of that embroidery that I didn't pay enough attention to. Scoots. Uh, then they go to a cafe lottery store. This is in Australia. And Michael kind of tells uh, uh, Janet about a snowplow uh, analogy. We're going to help uh, Eleanor drive along the road of improvement. Uh, and just so you know, the 186 from the bottom lottery ticket is a winning one. We cut to Eleanor. She has uh, won 18 grand. Another worthy reason, just as one moment after that, uh, to watch the entire episode. There's so many gems in here. Uh, then Chidi has more stuff on the board. Belief in the soul, mortal, material, just like body, pleasurous purpose of life. Uh, animals try to avoid it as much you know, pain in the butts as possible. Oh, this must have been another series of four shots. Because uh, then we see Eleanor. She's kind of, I didn't have a chance. To, she's in a garland-headed thing, uh, like a garland headband with antlers. uh and she's eating, she's happy, very happy, participating in some group activity. And she has a fortune cookie. There's also holiday decorations up, just so everybody knows. Then uh, on the top right is the team eating Chinese takeout. Also on the bottom left, Eleanor's eating Chinese takeout. Uh, I don't know if this was this. The bottom right is Michael and Janet. They have so many holiday decorations. Just in this shot, we see a snowman, Nora. They're wearing Santa hats. Uh, Michael's clapping. They think about something that's happening. Uh, here's a reminder for me to look up St. John's University, which I did. Uh, then we see whatever room they're using, this multi-purpose room. I think maybe Simone's multi-purpose room or maybe Chidi's. Uh, uh, there's a decorations, a blue snowflake, like kind of blue, like LED blue. A uh, pine tree, not a Christmas tree, but a pine tree with lights on it. There's some silver garland. There's some gold garland. Uh, there's also like the chain of paper links you can make as a kid. Uh, I don't know if the the team made them or the uh, kids made them. Uh, Jason talks about the zone of time and clock land. Uh, 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 Tahani talks about Giselle. And Eleanor says, we got it. We always get it. Uh, and she says, why would you want to watch football with Jason? And Tahani explains why. And I said, hubba, hubba. Uh, more uh, decorations. Uh, light up plastic Santa. One of those old school light up plastic Santas. Uh, there's candy canes of all varieties, even light up ones like this plastic Santa. There's bell and ribbon lights. Uh, there's newspapers on the racks, but even that has lights on it. There's paper or, or ornaments, even like those fold-out, uh, something you unfold and becomes like a, an organ, like a like a like accordion accordion ornaments uh, that kind of fold out. Uh, lots of socks. I couldn't remember stocking. I put lots of socks on the walls, but those are stockings. Uh, there's even like these like uh, fringe ribbons on the desk, uh, poinsettias, and then a wall with post-its. I don't think I think it was out of focus. Uh, then we see Tahani; she's at a bar reading, uh, and I don't know what book she's reading because they didn't show the cover. Uh, but then uh, 
we, we meet uh, one of the uh, Hemsworths. Uh, I always thought it was a Helmsworth. I really learned about a lot about the Hemsworths this episode. We'll talk about it later. And really, a lot of things I didn't realize and things I didn't know. Like, I'll just tell you. So Miley Cyrus is famous for going out. I thought she was dating. This is how little I knew. I'm not doing jokes. Uh, I thought she was, I always thought she was dating uh, on an offer with uh, Thor, Chris Hemsworth. I want to say Helmsworth, though, but it isn't. And... Uh, but she was with Liam. She's with. She's been in relationships with Liam Hemsworth. So every time I pictured them, when people were pro that is a happy couple, I was like, uh, I always pictured her and Thor. And maybe once when I saw a paparazzi shot, and I said, "Oh, well, that's just Thor without the long hair." Turns out I was totally wrong. My world has been, uh, you know, it was like a wrecking ball came in that information came in like that uh but we talked about the, the this is at the larry hemsworth uh he has older sibling or sibling success issues uh eleanor we see her reading the republic of plato uh, i don't know if this was a series of shots and we see jason oh no J- this is another quiet wonderful jason moment in his jags gear uh, and it's also just good to watch even just the levels of acting because Simone and Chidi are in the background. Uh, there also may have been a Descartes ruler on the wall for decoration. Uh, back in uh, the uh, observation station with uh, Michael and Janet, there's uh, real candy canes near the computer. They had, even had a gingerbread house. Uh, there's my note to look up the Hemsworths. Uh, we see another series of shots. Eleanor singing happy birthday and holding a cake. Uh, we see uh, Chidi smiling. We see uh, Tahani reading uh, Kierkegaard's The Present Age. We see Larry uh, Hemsworth using a highlighter on a book, You're Not So Bad, which I couldn't locate that exists. And then Jason's reading a book about the big farm. And again, man, this is really layered episode. Uh, another payoff in that scene. But I was so distracted by the payoff, I don't know what book it was other than big farm. Uh, let's see. We see Eleanor's happy super bard activate 832. Oh, super board. Uh, Chidi says, Superboard activate. It was already 8.32 a.m. Everyone looked very awake. Uh, it was 24 degrees Celsius. Uh, lunch was Vegemite and milk. Uh, schedule for the day was a review Kant essay, compare and contrast Jacques Lacan with Chaka Khan, and then review papers. Okay, we also have this big chalkboard. This is a lot of coverage here in uh, the office. Uh, uh, in the observation station, one so I didn't get everything, uh, but it's describing it's kind of like they're because they're working with the materials they have on Earth. Uh, Janet and Michael, so it says take sparking spots, flips flips off every anybody. Did not lift to shops for six weeks and two days. Holds doors for strangers. Hides in bathroom to avoid people. L-I-E-S to friends and loved one, believes in kindness, discuss or digress or something, disguises, I don't know if that says, could devolve, uh, could dis- couldn't decide, 
uh, helped others be kind and nice. This is about cheating. Forgets commitments, uh, decides to something. Uh, I guess this is to honey. Uh, midday drinks, bad judgment, uh, can be chronically lazy. Maybe not. Uh, come, not always to the answer. Something, uh, GTA, I guess it is Jason, uh, uh, you know, taking things, wakes before noon. Also see, I think this is on the board. Blake Bortles is number five. Oh no, Blake Bortles, uh, another funny thing. Number five, uh, uh, this, uh, purchases from, uh, gray market vendors, uh, Constant positive affirmations, charity for others, uh, two squared uh, plus seven to the E uh, equals 0.0005. A to the lower, capital A to the lowercase i, K to the lowercase i, KA squared. Uh, vanity, forgiveness, generosity. Uh, then we see a big ring on Tahani. I never looked this up. I said, how much does a carrot weigh? But I didn't see that. Uh, uh, duty, is that what that says? A party, oh, the party, the Airbnb, H-E-I-R-B-N-B. Everybody meets Larry, bon voyage. Uh, really worth it, I mean, I guess see this episode. Uh, Jason's question, did Miley write Wrecking Ball about Chris's brother, Liam? So that would even confuse me more. Because the first two or three times I watched this episode, I said, uh, oh, is Liam not a fan of Chris and Miley being together? Uh, but I guess it's like that Chris is the most famous, so it's Chris's brother. And Larry's not, you know. Uh, Eleanor was in a pink long sleeve shirt with a star that kind of looked like the streaking star from Now You Know, which is NBC property. Uh, Michael and Janet are in the wine cellar and White Tux is kind of undercover uh, caterers. Uh, Nathaniel Cookswell, caterer to the stars. Vegemite canapes are being served. They're moving to England. Oh, Michael says that and he stands on his toes when he's talking to uh, uh, Larry, trying to talk him out of it. They talk about Sydney. Can't wait to move. Larry says... Uh, then they're like, uh, well, what are we, how are we going to replace Tahani? That's what Eleanor says. Uh, maybe Marco Robbie. And uh, Chidi says, well, it's time to sh- take stock of the study. And she says, what do you mean? Study's over? Are we splitting up? No, we're just taking a break. Uh, so Eleanor is a little bit sad. Michael's frustrated. Uh, I'll deal with, oh, then they say, what are we going to do? And uh, Janice says, I'll deal with sweet cheeks. I mean, Jason's butt. I mean, uh, Jason. Uh, Eleanor has a carafe of wine. Ship always start over. Oh, shrimp, uh, Michael says. She says, always. Uh, and he says, was your study over? And he says, if study means a lot to you, but it means a lot to everyone else, too. Uh, also offered her con- con- cocktail sauce. Uh, we see Tahani has this cake of a picture of the team. I think taken at the beginning of this episode or last episode, it's of the Brainy Bunch uh, eating cupcakes. So, so it was this episode. Eleanor says, yeah, that's all. She she tries to make a positive speech. doesn't go well. So she says, cool, I didn't need you anyway uh, uh, to take the me. Uh, sorry. 
And then she t- take oh she takes her cake. She scoops herself out of the cake, uh, and then she says, "It does something about a deed. The deed is done. Pip pip. Too late." In this English accent. And good day, my liege. Uh, jolly good Saint Plupington's day to you. Uh, then we cut to Eleanor or Simone sees uh, Eleanor eating her cake and hiding behind a tree. And Simone plays the role of a truth teller, but in a really, I mean, this is a really powerful scene for me. If, if you really, uh, especially once you watch it like uh, the fifth or sixth time, because you really see this exchange of equals. Uh, and it's like uh, they're, they're both matured. Like Simone is telling the truth, but also uh, giving Eleanor a couple, throwing some shade, burning Eleanor because she's not happy about it. Uh, so she's not glossing or sugarcoating the truth, uh, but she's doing it as a true friend, I think. Uh, and Eleanor can actually handle the criticism and, and the true emotion of uh, Simone, which I, I mean, I would have folded like a, a house of cards. Uh, but Eleanor says, sweet burn. Uh, she also wipes her hands on a leaf or solid burn, she says. And, and Simone, she says, well, what do you think it is? Uh, and Simone kind of says, well, there's the once we were me versus us, uh, everybody, you know, she goes to bootstrapping and just making it on your own. It, then we started sharing resources. And then it became kind of a current struggle. We have uh, us versus them. Uh, can we treat all other groups as equals? Uh, and she kind of said, uh, like, kind of like Steve Austin fans versus the Rock fans. And Eleanor's a Steve Austin fan. And she says, Eleanor, seems like you're still in the me versus us stage. Uh, this is your first group that have folded into your self-identity. And Eleanor says, well, me needs to go apologize to us. Uh, and they have a big hug. Uh, and it's nice. Uh, Eleanor tries to give a true apology. Point is, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I don't give apologies, but I am. I'm going to miss you guys. And they say the same thing, and they say, well, let's have a reunion. And they say, well, maybe in Jacksonville or, at, you know, wherever Tahani's, you know, helicopter yachts are. And Michael uh, Michael Wilder scenes, uh, uh, something, but it, uh, she, she, she says, uh, he says, time to, to park the snowplow. I think maybe Janet says that to him. Oh, yeah, he's getting these wild uh, schemes. Uh, and uh, Janet tells him the truth. Time to park the snowplow. Let's push reset on this. And Michael goes, that's a great idea. We'll push reset. And Janet says, you don't even know how to do that. Uh, Michael says, I'll figure it out. Again, it goes to these people are the most important uh uh, no more waiting. This is all we have. We have to try. Uh, and then he says, so let's go. Uh, and they hit the button and then it cuts to the portal opens, but our crew is there, the brainy bunch. And they say, WTF. Uh, and I said, what a cliffhanger. Great one though. This is, uh, can't wait for next week. Is they kind of sit there and say, "Oh yeah, I wonder what 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 what's up with that portal to another world?" Okay, so a lot of interesting stuff came up here in this episode, and let's take a look at uh, look at all of it. Uh, let's see. The first thing was as uh, prefrontal medial cortex. What was it? Uh, let's see. 
This is from the Journal of Neuroscience. It looks like it's loading. Yeah, the Journal of Neuroscience. Uh, and this is just a little uh, bit. I guess it's an article uh, from uh, the 17th of June, 2009. The role of ventral, the ventral medial prefrontal, prefrontal cortex in social decision making. Uh, and uh, convergent evidence has revealed that the vent- ventral medial prefrontal cortex uh, is important for social decision making however its exact function is still under debate uh, yeah, people are studying it and uh, like uh, studying people is one way to learn about the role uh, and how if it's not working right how does that affect things uh, and, uh, you know, what if it's not easy for people to make value-based decisions? Uh, and the set of studies, some studies cover that. Uh, some studies cover people uh, that don't worry about future stuff or are primarily guided by intermediate gains. Uh, and uh, they say, okay, some people, a uh, range of people on social tasks, moral judgment, economic gains, uh, uh, rationality or lack of emotional reactions. Uh, and uh, I would rather suggest, uh, uh, yeah, this, this is uh, in the recent article, in the recent article of the Journal of Neuroscience, uh, the authors employ a model-based approach to using three different economic gains. Uh, the dictator, so this could be coming up in the season. The dictator game, ultimatum game, and the trust game. Uh, in each game, there's a one who. So, so it's just interesting. I'll link to it uh, uh, to check out. A very, you know, article beyond me. An article a little bit beyond me. You know, it's a little bit easier for me to read. It's Wikipedia. <laughs> And this is about the Jacksonville Jaguars, an American professional football franchise in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, they're in the NFL and the AFC South Division, and they play their games at a TIAA Bank Field. Uh, they joined with Carolina Panthers in, in as expansion teams for the 1995 season. Uh, they won division championships in 1998 and 1999 as members of the now-defunct AFC Central. Ian is 2017 as members of the AFC South and have qualified for the playoffs seven times, uh, most recently in 2017 after a 10-season drought. Uh, from their reception to 2011, they were owned by Wayne Weaver. Uh, let's see. In 1989, a group uh, of Touchdown Jacksonville was kind of trying to get uh, people to bring the thing uh, let's see, 94, uh, they had uh, Tom Coughlin as a coach of the Jaguars. Uh, let's get to the, you know, let's get to this. I think we'll talk about Blake Bortles, but this has a lot of history. Wow. Uh, uh, then they had Jack Del Rio. Oh, yeah, we'll just talk about this year because that's when the um, present uh, high point, uh, uh, 2000, 2013, they were 4 and 12. Uh, so that's not good. Uh, let's see. In 2014, the Jaguars selected Blake Bortles from the University of Central Florida and Marquise Lee from, uh, University of Southern California. And, uh, so then, 
Let's see, 2017, with plenty of cap space to work with, Jacksonville splurged in free agency, adding uh, a defensive tackle Malik Jackson from Denver Broncos, uh, like a lot of new players, uh, uh, top 10 talents. Uh, they fell in the second round. Oh, no, the, in 26 October, they beat the Colts in an international game. Yeah, but then their coach lost. They lost nine games in a row. Uh, in 2017, they said uh, interim coach Doug Marone, who coached Syracuse University, I think, uh, was going to be the new head coach. Uh, and uh, let's see, Tom Coughlin was going to be like some executive. They let's see here. They went on. Uh, week 15, they beat the Texans. They clinched their first playoff appearance. Uh, uh, they beat the Buffalo Bills in their first playoff win. Then they beat the Steelers uh, in Heinz Field. And uh, then they lost uh, to the Patriots. Uh, uh, yeah, so... Uh, Let's see. They they like uh, let's see their logos: a silver helmet, uh, teal, gold, and silver with black accents are their colors. Gold leaping, leaping jaguar. Uh, one of the uh, their main uh, sponsor says that looks like too much. That's not our logo. That looks like a logo of one of our competitors. Uh, and. Uh, Let's see. They figured that out. Uh, so, yeah, there's a little bit about him. There's a great episode of uh, 99PI about uh, sports uniforms. Uh, I think it's mostly about NBA uniforms, but you should check that out. Uh, what about St. John's College? Because I never did look it up. Uh, it's uh, St. John's College at the University of Sydney. Uh, or the College of St. John's Evangelist, a residential college within the University of Sydney. Established in 1857, it's the oldest Roman Catholic and second oldest university college in Australia. It's a co-educational community of 250 undergraduate and postgraduate students. Uh, So people will probably know Chidi uh, pretty well there. It's a nice, uh, small school. Uh, it was established as a Benedictine foundation by Archbishop Polding, who had formerly been an English Benedictine month at uh, Downside Abbey. And the Bened- English Benedictines were prominent in raising public support for the founding of St. John's. Uh, yeah, let's see, the carved Gothic-style reliquary box in the chapel. Oh, okay, that's interesting. This is a little bit about it. Uh, architecture. Oh, here it is. Uh, uh, in February 1859, William Wilkinson Wardell, the ar- architect of St. Mary's Cathedral in Sydney and St. Patrick's Cathedral in Melbourne, was appointed the architect of St. John's College. Uh, let's see. Working from, for des- from his designs from Melbourne, he grew up uh, general plans and sent them Sandstone, three-story Gothic revival building on an H-shaped plan. So a little bit about the, you. You link through that's on Wikipedia too. Also in New York City, I did not study here, but I thought about it. Uh, is uh, St. John's uh, University? 
He's a Roman Catholic research university in New York City, uh, founded by the Congregation of the Mission in 1870. It's in uh, uh, Brooklyn. Uh, oh, no, it was found, originally located in Brooklyn, and then it was relocated to Queens. It also has campuses in Staten Island, Manhattan, and Rome, Italy. And a graduate center on Long Island, five undergraduate schools, six graduate schools. In 2016, it had 16,000 undergraduate and 4,600 graduate students. Offers more than 100 uh, programs and certificates. Uh, uh, they're uh, the St. John's Vicentian fathers are the ones that founded that one based on the works of St. Vincent de Paul. Who's a patron saint of Christian charity? Uh, I don't know. It was, uh, and they were also in the Big East, which was uh, like uh, Luke Arnasek was their coach. So when I was growing up watching basketball, they were a big uh, competitor. Okay, let's look up stuff about uh, a birth order because I don't know if Larry uh, Hemsworth was the oldest or the youngest or a middle child. Uh, but this is over at psychologies.co.uk from 2012. Uh, he talks about the birth order effect, uh, whether your first, middle, or youngest child is outside of your control. Uh, but, but can it, it does it? Yes, it does play a, a significant part in uh, uh, your formulation. Uh, surely these things aren't set before we get started. Or are they? You know, this is like a little bit of a... Uh, this is written... It's said by the team, but it looks like it's written by one person. Uh, because uh, they already had two daughters, uh, five and six, and they're about to add a third baby to the mix. Uh, uh, let's see. The importance of birth order was first set out by Austrian psychologist Alfred Elder, uh, Michael Gross, uh, an Alderian-trained uh, parenting expert and author, author, uh, author of Why Firstborns Rule the World and Lastborns Want to Change. It explains the basics. Uh, hey, Darwin, you know, this is a paraphrase because... Uh, Hey, Darwin had it going, uh, you know, from we start, uh, you know, we're trying to do that thing, uh, whether it's love or food or affection. Uh, and uh, so firstborn historically uh, are uh, more likely to produce, reproduce as adults, have be a little bit tougher. Uh, they're their parents' blue chip security, whose birth is most eagerly anticipated. Now, don't let any of this, you know, get to you. It's just a, a talk. Uh, typical firstborns are approval. I'm the firstborn, by the way. Uh, approval seekers. Uh, they've been showered with attention. I, I just want. I don't let, like. Uh, well, I, I, I'm not like this. Uh, I'm not. Though, I say I want to be. Uh, educational achievement was highest in the firstborns, not in my case. It diminished to further down. Uh, and I, my, all my siblings, I mean, it's just true. All my siblings did better than me. I was not a good student. I'm, I'm kind of an average uh, intellect uh, compared to my siblings, who a lot of them are very intellectual. Uh, you know, I'm more of a, I, you know, I have my positive qualities, don't worry. World leaders are a lot of them are firstborn children. Uh, sometimes uh, you know they can be not happy about their siblings. Middle, uh, you know they're kind of stuck in the middle, as they say. But they tend to be more relaxed. Uh, 
is the typical case. Uh, affability comes at a price, uh, you know, because they might not have the same competitive drive. Uh, this is a basic summary, you know. The youngest, uh, they're likely to question the order of things and develop a revolutionary personality. Uh, is like, uh, they're the babies of the family and may grow up uh, expecting others to take responsibility. They are not life's volunteers. It says gross. Uh, they're more likely to put others in service. Uh, and then they admit, oh, well, this could be bit, you know different than what we expect. Uh, but here's some famous uh, people. Uh, both uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton are first. Uh, George W. Uh, Kylie Minogue, most importantly, the first born. She knows uh, Tahani. Only children, Churchill, Roosevelt, uh, Sartre, uh, Sinatra, Bacharach. Interesting range of people they selected. Uh, middle children, many middle children work in retail sales, fashion, and advertising, or caring professions. Stella McCartney, Michelle Pfeiffer, Kate Blanchett, Emily Bronte, Princess Di. Uh, last children, rebels, Joan of Arc, Gandhi. This is, holy cow, Darwin and Chaplin and also Hugh Grant. So that's a little bit about birth order. We'll find out about these Hemsworth birth order right now as we go to BuzzFeed to start uh, uh, with the 24 facts you never knew about the Hemsworth brothers. Now, this was written in 2014, so not all of it's up to date. Because uh, this says there's a third Hemsworth brother, uh, which we know now because he, he Luke's on Westworld. Uh, he, at the time, he was he's the oldest. Uh, then Chris, then Liam, Larry's somewhere in there. Uh, despite being the least recognizable Hemsworth brother, Luke was the first to get into acting. Typical, his brother stole the thunder. So handsome. I mean, I'm a Chris, I think Chris is my favorite, uh, no offense to others, but he said, yeah, I don't know. And then he started a flooring business, which his younger brothers worked for before their acting crews took off. Chris moved to the USA first to pursue acting, then Liam. Uh, Luke never did give up on acting, and then he was uh, on recurring roles on TV shows. Uh, and as we know, then he was on... Uh, other shows. Uh, they were all born in Melbourne, Victoria, but they also lived in the outback in the Northern Territory before settling on F- Phillip Island. Uh, Chris used his bush upbringing as an inspiration for his role in Snow White and the Huntsman. Yeah, they, they had a lot of fun as kids, uh, uh, playing with each other. Uh, yeah, and they had other things when they were kids. Uh, a lot of competition, except when it comes to roles. They try to support each other in their careers as much as possible. Uh, still, Liam and Chris were both up for the part of Thor. Uh, Chris didn't get a call back after his audition. Liam made it to the final four, and then in the end, Chris snagged the role. Uh, when Chris's first baby, India Rose, was do- born, uh, Luke, who has four kids, uh, made a video teaching him how to bundle up a baby properly. All three have been on the Aussie soap opera Neighbors, but not at the same time. Uh, Liam was in 25 episodes, Chris in one, Luke in 13. 
they also appeared in two other TV shows. Uh, uh, oh, Luke and Liam did uh, The Elephant Princess. Uh, both of those two were also in the TV show Satisfaction. Chris and Luke were guest stars on The Saddle Club. Uh, Liam was in one episode of Home and Away, uh, the show that made Chris uh, famous in Australia. Uh, Chris's TV career was definitely uh, when he was on Dancing with the Stars in 2006. Really, I didn't know any of this. Uh, oh, Liam was in a, uh, a music video for the Zach Brown Band. Liam's also loves squirrels. And Liam's, their, their mom uh, was the, the health teacher at the school, which could have been awkward. Yeah, but who is, okay, let's run through these Liam, Chris, and I guess I don't need to as much because you probably know. I just didn't know. I mean, I knew Liam, I guess I was like, oh, that was the dude in Hunger Games. So, so that's why I repressed him because I was jealous of that role. I guess because I always more identified with Brita. Or PETA, whatever. Sorry, it's been a while. Uh, and I said, that guy's a threat to our, you know, uh, me and PETA. Like, and then then PETA, I said, then everybody said, PETA's so cute. And I said, well, now what am I going to do without PETA and the, the other guy that's uh, super smooth, uh, played by Luke Hemsworth? Oh, no, Liam's, excuse me. So that's what I know about Liam. Uh, but I think we, we kind of covered it. Uh, he's been in a lot of movies, very successful. Uh, as far as I know, great. great uh, I mean, super uh, handsome. Oh, he played Gale, was the uh, character in The Hunger Games. Uh, Empire State with Emma Roberts. Uh, let's see. All, yeah, all the Hunger Games movies. Uh, oh, but yeah, he was the one who was in personal life. Uh, Let's get it like, uh, no, he's a very talented person, but yeah, he's the one that's been in dated, uh, um, uh, Miley, Miley, Miley Cyrus, uh, don't worry, we'll get to lyrics, we'll get to racking ball here. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, uh, and I don't know why I always think it's Helmsworth. So Chris, we, we've seen him in a lot of things, uh, uh, Thor, he really did in the last, uh, uh, movie Avengers movie. He was really good at the offering uh, humor. He was in the Dustbusters reboot. Uh, uh, yeah, so he like he's had a pretty good career. Uh, he also played Kirk's father in Star Trek, uh, George Kirk. Uh, yeah, he's been a, he's he's a, he's had quite a career. Uh, he has uh, three children, which. Uh, and he moved from Los Angeles to back to Byron Bay, Australia, because he's so successful. He said he doesn't have to be there. Looks like he's in the next MIB movie. Um, so really successful. And then this did happen to me on the first season of Westworld. I said, "Who is this? Uh, this like uh, this character?" I had to look it up on IMDb. Uh, Ashley Stubbs, uh, and it, and I was surprised myself. I said, "Well, that's a Hemsworth," because well, he was just a very, uh, I don't know. It was an interesting character, and then it was this very macho, I would say, uh, portrayal. And that ends up with Luke, uh, who who uh, is the, uh, the, the the big brother of the family. It seems like he has that role. 
I thought I had a wrecking ball on here. Maybe it comes up later because next comes up is a book uh, from Wikipedia, Present Age, uh, which is a philosophy concept of Kierkegaard uh, and uh, a formulation of the modern age can be formulated in Kierkegaard's work, uh, Two Ages, a Literary Review. Our age is essentially one of understanding and reflection without passion, momentarily bursting in enthusiasm and truly relapsing into repose. There is no more action or decision in our day. There is no more action or decision in our day than there is perilous delight in swimming in the shallow waters. Uh, Kierkegaard argues the present age drains all meaning out of ethical concepts through passionless indolence. Uh, Concepts are still used but are drained of all meaning or virtue of their detachment from a life view which is passion generated and produces consistent action. This was published in 1846 and it goes after the press and the public. Uh, uh, he is against abstract moments in time or public opinion as a basis for forming relationships. Uh, Newspapers were mediating information and new individuals were joining together based on this mediating influence. Uh, same thing is happening now on the Internet. Uh, Kierkegaard advised that real people retain a concrete identity in the face of abstract public opinion. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. You can read more about it. I'll link to that. Uh, uh, what about uh, Jacques Lacan? Uh, uh, L-A-C-A-N, uh, 1901 to 1981. So this is not that long ago. A French psychoanalyst and psychiatrist who has been called uh, the most controversial psychoanalyst since Freud uh, influenced many leading French intellectuals in the 60s and 70s, especially those uh, associated with post-structuralism. So let's get to the juicy stuff here. Uh, so he's got his history, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, major concepts. Uh, this is pretty dense. I was trying to find something. Yeah, three orders, the imaginary, the symbolic, and the real. Talks about desire, drive, uh, error and knowledge, uh, uh, variable length sessions, uh, Let's just read about the relationship with Freud here. Uh, major concepts. Return to Freud. Lacan's return to Freud emphasizes a renewed attention on the original text of Floyd. Freud. Oh, so not Floyd. Oh, boy. Uh, including a radical critique of ego psychology. Whereas Lacan's quarrel with object relations as psychoanalysts was a more muted affair, he attempted to restore the notion of object relation the capital experience that legitimately belongs to it. Uh, building upon what he termed the hesitant but controlled work of Madeline Klein. Though, through her, we know the function of the imaginary primordial enclosure formed by the imago of the mother's body, as well as the notion of the transitional object uh, introduced by Winniacott. Uh, the key point for the explanation, oh boy, and... Uh, uh, Question psychoanalytic developments between the 30s and the 70s uh, focus on child's early relation, pre-edipital or Kleinian uh, rereading of form. Uh, rereading of Freud, it says Freud supplies the only valid model. 
Uh, so I don't know. I don't really know anything about it, but uh, interesting, interesting. You know what's more interesting to me is not trying not to sing when I say Shaka Khan. Uh, born Yvette Marie Stevens, American recording artist whose success has spanned five decades. Uh, I would bump that up to seven. I mean, uh, seven probably. Uh, no, known as the Queen of Funk, first R&B artist to have a crossover hit featuring a rapper with I Feel For You in 84. Won 10 Grammys, 70 million records worldwide. And uh, she's, like, recorded with everybody. I mean, holy mackerel. Uh, Rufus, uh, uh, solo, you know, went solo. Uh, Grandmaster Melly Mel, Stevie Wonder. Uh, she's in Steve Winwood, Addicted to Love. Uh, I think, uh, oh, no, she wasn't in Addicted to Love. Uh, but... Uh, Really, just, I mean, one of the greats, uh, without a doubt. And now, philosophically, I'm not sure. Uh, So I don't know. I would love to go to a talk with Chidi about uh, the difference between Shaka Khan and Jacques Lacan. Uh, Okay, quick, let's talk about Blake Bortles. uh, Quarterback for the Jaguars, born 1992, went to Central Florida, Third pick overall in the 2014 draft. Uh, uh, originally from Florida. Great college career, it looks like. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he's had his downs. Uh, but in 2017, they picked up the fifth-year option on Bortles contract. Jason loves him. And he's named the starting quarterback to begin the 2017 uh, season, even though he's in a competition with another quarterback. And uh, he's had some good weeks. He's had some great weeks. But they finished ten and six, uh, third seed in the 2017 playoffs. Uh, and this winter, Bortles signed a three-year, fifty-four million dollar contract to stay with the Jaguars through 2020. Uh, so uh, you know, Blake Bortles, Jason loves him. So we probably could too. Okay, let's take a look at PapaDust.com because they let's finish this off with a little bit of a Miley. Uh, this is from 8-30-13, Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball Lyrics. Is it about Liam? And uh, this is written by Pop Dust. Uh, in case you missed it, uh, uh, like this, was, uh, when, this was in 2014, so Miley's in a different place. Uh, uh, oh, this is right when it came out, Wrecking Ball. It's pretty good, they say, or at least a welcome palate cleanser. I like it. Uh, I have to listen to it as soon as I'm done recording. Uh, but speaking of uh, Liam, uh, what's with the on and on again, off again thing? Uh, well, songs definitely maybe about him. Let's break it down. Uh, we, we, our hearts in vain. We jumped, never asking why. And they said, "Oh, this is a little bit like the Lion King." Uh, uh, we kissed. I fell under your spell. Love no one could deny. Uh, so I said, "Okay, the first kiss." Uh, uh, did you ever say I just walked away? I will always l- l- want you. You can't live a lie. Running for my life, I will always want you. What happened? We were just kissing, and now uh, we're not kissing anymore. Uh, but now she's trying to beat the ticking clock of fading love and win him back. Uh, I came in like a wrecking ball. I never hit so hard in love. 
All I wanted was to break your walls. All you ever did was break me. Yeah, you wreck, you wreck me. Uh, you know what? Uh, this doesn't look like it. The more uh, Miley chipped away, the more vulnerable she became. It's a really beautiful image. Uh, I put you high in the sky, and now you're not coming down. It slowly turned. You let me burn, and now we're ashes on the ground. Uh, now, Poptus says, okay, it's getting super emo. Uh, she built him up, made him feel top of the world, and he didn't return the favor. Uh, then it repeats like, as a wrecking ball thing. Yeah, it just closed my eyes, uh, left me crouching in a blazing fall. Uh, Miley heightens the core visual. Her motions for him are pure and new. Uh, I never meant to start uh, WAR. I never just wanted you to let me in. Instead of using force, uh, I should have just let, led you in. Uh, Miley clearly took a moment before this verse uh, to step into uh, Liam's shoes. Uh, it wasn't me. I didn't mean to. Uh, maybe lead you into my heart. Uh, uh, maybe she'll be keep going up, but then she goes, yeah, you, you know, then we go back to the chorus, uh, goes back, uh, through the rest of the chorus, uh, and just a classic pop hit. I, I, I don't know. I don't know anything really. I, I really enjoy good pop music and especially listening with my daughter. So, uh, and Miley has a lot of good pop uh, songs. So, so, uh. Let's close it out, though, with Vegemite, uh, just to, <laughs> to close it out, uh, more dull notes. Uh, it's a thick uh, Australian food spread made from leftover brewer's yeast extract uh, with various spice and vegetable additives. Uh, it was developed by Cyril Percy Callister in Melbourne, Victoria, in 1922. Uh, it's been acquired a few times. Uh, it's a spread for sandwiches, toast, crumpet, and crasker, cracker biscuits, as well as a filling for pastries. Similar to Marmite. Uh, uh, slightly bitter, malty, rich in glutamates, uh, giving it an umami, umami flavor, similar to beef bouillon. And uh, it was following the disruption of imports of Marmite after WW1. Uh, that uh, Calster's employer said, "Hey, f f Fred Walker and company, uh, get it. You know, this brewery's got the yeast are getting rid of. Make something out of it already." And so he did that. Uh, and the name of Vegemite was selected out of a hat by his daughter, uh, uh, by Fred Walker's daughter. Uh, so yeah, let's see consumption. Uh, you know, oh, okay, we we went over that. Uh, yeah, let's see. Is it kosher? Uh, craft contract contracted. Uh, uh, it, in 2010, it did uh, it get it, it get a kosher certification, but after some uh, where people said, eh, "I don't like that." Uh, it's rich in B vitamins. Uh, um, it's uh, primary ingredients: yeast extra extract. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it was originally promoted as a healthy food for children, uh, and uh, yes, yeah, you know it was uh, you know it was during that time of the WWs. I mean, I, I think I've tried it, but it's been a while, so I have to try it. Uh, but yeah, it's it. Uh, 
Uh, thanks uh, so much, and uh, good night. Right, I want to thank everybody over on uh, YouTube, uh, Fanny, uh, Tim, I am love. Thanks, 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 and good night. Uh, Cameron, uh, Miley, AG, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Ninja, uh, CG, JS, and uh, Sheridan, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Ashley, Jess, and Prometheus, thanks, 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 and good night. Uh, Dave, uh, Feisty, and uh, Khaleesi, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Heather, uh, Highlander, and Texas, uh, thanks, 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 and good night. Uh, uh, Kellen, uh, and Mari, and uh, wasn't, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, I'm not, uh, Rania, Locke, uh, and Jay, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Sunday, Tad, and, uh, Kooky, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Jay, Autumn, and Pat, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Nay, uh, Heather, and Dogs, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, going, Clary, and Conquer, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Locke, uh, Carl, uh, and uh, First, uh, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Kay, uh, Casey Steele, and It's, uh, thanks, thanks, and good night. Fully, uh, Yiru, and Uni, thanks, 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 and good night. Uh, Jude's, uh, be, be be superior. Uh, Noah, thanks, thanks, and good night. Kitty, essential, and Taya, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Nima, Haley, and Yellow, thanks, thanks, and good night. G Blake, uh, uh, Itmar, and uh, Megan, thanks, 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 and good night. Molly, Peggy, and Volley, thanks, 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 and good night. Uh, Noah, Patchouli, and uh, DP, thanks. Uh, Sherlock, uh, uh, Crispy, and uh, Laura, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Thanks, everybody, uh, for uh, commenting on the YouTube. I'm be definitely behind on the YouTube comments, uh, but thanks for all the commenting over there, uh, and good night. All right, everybody, here we are. We're talking about uh, Season 3, Episode 5 of The Good Place. A good place to sleep here is uh, Jeremy Barramy, and that's spelled B-E-A-R-I-M-Y. I don't know how I would have spelled it, but probably not that way. It was, but it makes it it's easy to say, Barramy. Yeah, it opens with where right where we last left off. The door, what the hell is that? Uh, oh, hey, guys, Michael says. Uh, what, are you, what are you up to? They say, we're getting more champagne. It's right behind the, the magic door. Uh, Michael closes the door. We see a hex cell pattern we'll talk about uh, later. I don't know what that other word says. Dalton, it looks like. Also, the portal closes. Uh, Michael says... Uh, what door? And I think Eleanor says, whoa, 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 which I do a lot, uh, especially when I'm reacting to things. Uh, 
And they say, what's a good place? And then uh, I think Jason says, I know who this is. It's Zach Pizzazz. And then Chidi says, no, it's a librarian from the university. And then uh, uh, Tahani says, no, it's Gordon Indigo, the rude Silicon Valley, in- Valley, Silicon Valley investor. And they say something about an interdimensional, interdimensional door opening and closing, not a lot of wiggle room. That's what... Uh, uh, that's what Janet says to Michael. They've seen that. Uh, and Michael, uh, oh, this is, this, okay, well, I guess I should say it right now. So this is like the fifth episode in the season, the fourth one to come out, I believe. And really uh, some amazing, I mean, the the cast, the talent of the cast and, and uh, is the writing and the direction, production. You know, I don't know a lot about TV, but I feel like the fifth episode is normally can be a bit of a dry spot. And this is really a, it is a episode that serves a purpose in the overall story of the season. Uh, but there's so many high points. And also there's a lot of uh, a very uh, palpably wonderful emotional moments. You know, which the show already does so well, but uh, with emotional depth, uh, depth, uh, <laughs> slip there. Though there isn't any of that in here, I don't think. Uh, and there's just a lot of good, uh, funny humor as well. Uh, and somehow they do that in a 22-minute package. I don't know. Don't know. So they say not a lot of. My, oh, so the scene ends with Michael saying to Janet. Uh, Oh, so you're going to say you're forgetting one crucial thing. He says that twice. Uh, and there's just a, the interplay between uh, Michael and Janet uh, is really good here. And, and then a couple other r- really uh, good moments. Uh, so the, the the character, I mean, the acting, I mean, I guess because it's like they've been playing these characters now for a while. Really, really good. Uh, oh, let's see. I guess I had more. Three seconds. Someone says, tell, tell us about this crazy space door. And Michael says, okay, I'm Special Agent Rick Justice. And this is Lisa Frenchy Fuqua. And uh, Jason, of course, says, I knew it. And then it's so chapter 31. Then they say they're paranormal investigators. And uh, they, say, they say, no way. And Michael says, no, no, we can prove it, right? Janet, just ask Janet any question. Great stuff about nicknames. Eleanor says, no way. She says, these jamokes, like, I could see right through them. And there's a serious question. Michael says, you know, these is just goo and juice over there. And then this was a little bit, a small emotional note, but Michael's breathless. He says, you know, it's over. Uh, and they say, we got to tell him the truth. Uh, so then they cut to the post-truth. Uh, and everybody's like, this sucks. And then he, Michael goes, they say, okay, to sum everything up, I don't know, I can't remember if this is Michael or, uh, uh, how is my, Eleanor, sorry, Eleanor, my mind went blank there. Also, just to cut to some scene stuff, there's two whiteboards, uh, left one has, uh, some stuff, you could, you know, if you're a $5 patron, you get to see these notes, uh, let's see here, we got, a. Uh, it says other B, BP, D, there's a, all sorts of writing on it in circles. I think talking about the original Good Place. It's 332, I thought it was points, but it was people. And then there was 802 uh, points, I thought it was, but it was reboots as I got to see it. Uh, we see uh, humans, Chidi, Eleanor, uh, Jason, and Tahani. 
uh, foods, froyo, kebabs, clam chowder. Uh, 318 uh, people working for the good or the bad place, including Glenn and real owner Vicky. And this is other BP people, bad place people. And uh, then there's another one with like a kind of circle with uh, Chidi, Eleanor, Jason, and Tahani. We may have seen this before. I don't know if it was the first season or earlier this season. Uh, some of this stuff on a board, uh, but it's, uh, I guess, it, in a little bit different way. It was a out of focus most of the time. I saw Eleanor fear the bad place. Uh, love is something. And then Michael says, hey, sorry for eternally do- do- dooming you. And they say, well, how are we? How long were we rebooting for? It felt like 100 years. They say, it was, Michael says, it's 300. And then they're kind of like, how is all this possible? So Michael flips over to Hani, uh, what's that guy's name? Larry, wedding uh, engagement picture. Uh, he turns that into a whiteboard and uh, trio of Earth. Uh, oh, timeline for Earth is a straight line. And we'll talk about the idea of a flat circle hopefully later. Uh, but he said in the afterlife, it's in a, the timeline is Jeremy Barmy. Uh, that's the timeline, Jeremy Barmy. And they say, how, what, uh. Is, I don't know what to tell you. And I think this is cheat. He says, what in the hell is this over here? He's pointing to the uh, I on Barami, B-E-A-R-I-M-Y, the dot over the I. He says, choice, he says, I want to know what the hell that is. Uh, he has his glasses off, his arms are cro- crossed. And Mike says, this is Tuesdays in July and never and I think, Jay, right, Janet Jay says, well, I agree, yeah, when nothing never occurs. And then Chidi's, or, or, or whatever, Chidi says, this broke me. This dot over the eye broke me. And then I just noticed uh, some of the flowers match Eleanor's shirt, uh, which is a nice touch. Uh, and, but uh, then Eleanor says, you know, I'm Audi. I'm, I can go back. Uh, I don't need any of this. Uh, I'll see you all in H-E double hockey sticks. It really means it. Uh, and Michael and kind of uh, Janet, no, 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 don't go, no, don't go. Then we have this multiple, I think there's multiple locations named after Nemo, but I'm not sure about that. This bar is called Drinking Nemo. Yeah, yeah free birthday margaritas. Some Eleanor says it's my birthday, then she says it isn't, but I just want a free drink. Uh, we see a safe, uh, Swanson Safe Company. Jason's going to be Tahani's uh, uh, Kevin Costner. Uh, Jason also mentions an off-brand SeaWorld he worked at. Uh, and then Jason says, we'd like to buy one opera. Uh, Wings in Atria, uh, Tahani says. I love that word, Atria. Uh, so Jason also, I think Jason mentioned he just kissed a B-A-T before. And this is one of the emotions. There's a multiple Jason and Tahani emotional notes in here, but this is one. And just also wisdom. There's like a lot of wisdom doled out in this one. She says, I thought I've always been captive by my desire for attention. But this whole virtue for virtue thing. And Jason goes, well, I got to have virtue for virtue idea. It'll be a lot of fun. Then Chidi mentions that he may have heard of the entire second season of Gabe Bezos. Because he says, G-O-D is D-E-A-D. What festivals of atonement, uh. What sacred games we will we have to invent? Uh, 
And he says this person, it's Nietzsche, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, 1882. I don't know how many times Cheetah got called weird in this episode, but the guy goes, you made it weird. And then Sprinklers hit Cheaty. Yeah, he takes off his shirt and his sweater at the same time, a sweater vest and a dress shirt. Uh, so it must have been, I mean, no offense, but it must have been stunt clothing because he pulled them right over his head. And holy mackerel, is Cheaty, uh, he's got a bod. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you, but he's like jacked. Uh, and I think they had mentioned, uh, they've talked about uh, both Jason and Cheaty's bodies before, but... Uh, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I said, holy cow, man, he's ripped. Uh, he's ripped. I mean, he's you'll marvel. Give, give uh, William Jackson Harper a call. Uh, but let's see. What does that say, though? Complete around moon fest. Uh, we will turn it on. We fainted. Takes shirt sweater off all once jacked. Manifest. Oh, manifesto completed. Uh, uh, oh, so, so Jason and, or no, uh, Janet and Michael are working on a manifesto. And they said, uh, we'll t- have to turn it on. We found it. Uh, but basically he says, we've blown it, but maybe one day we'll write this manifesto and someone else will succeed where we didn't. And this is another reason we watched the episode a few times, just the acting, because uh, Michael starts hunting and pack typing and uh, the looks on Janet's face and her reaction, it's just gold, absolute gold. Great acting, hunting pecking. We go back to the bar, uh, and they're talking about, Eleanor's talking to the bartender, every place has its rules, uh, deal with it. Uh, no more, uh, oh, this is what Eleanor would want uh, if she had made her own rules. Uh, deal with things, uh, forget it, suck it up. Uh, no more Peter Parker movies and leave me alone. She said, kind of like the way things are in the U.S. Uh, then she finds a wallet. She goes, well, 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 wallet. Uh, but she can't take it. So she gets in a taxi, goes to someplace. It says, keep the meter running. Uh, the taxi ride, oh, the taxi number was 2081. And it was 58 bucks to go to the first stop. But she says, keep the meter running. Eleanor's still in her pink star shirt. Uh, she's looking for Fred Boof. That really, for some reason, the word Boof makes me laugh. Uh, Eleanor uses the term schlep uh, because she she goes, well, you'll see the plot of that episode, but she has to schlep a plant, a hoe, a garden hose with a sprayer on it, a table lamp, and uh, a table or a desk, uh, and then like a desk or some fancier lamp with two lights. It's brass. And some big old canvas bag. I also said I would pay attention to what Eleanor was wearing footwear-wise in the intro. Seems to be some sort of... I thought they were Stan Smiths, but I think they have Adidas stripes. I'll keep watching now, like as I'm recording. But uh, yeah, what does that say? 78 Palmer bomb, bomb, Boomerang. Oh, that's the address, 78 Palmer, which is right back by the bar. So they say Boomerang. We see a lot of Australian currency in this episode. Beautiful money. Yeah, very beautiful money they have over there. Also, I think the term B&G gets used a lot. Okay, here we go. I'm watching for Eleanor's shoes here. She's getting out of the cab. I was a little bit ahead of the episode here. She's getting out. She's at the door. 
uh, no shoe shot yet, but she's going to schlep some things. So, so we'll get, I know we'll get her shoes when she's leaving. Can you carry some stuff for, uh, Mr. Boof, Fred Boof? Boof, we call it paging Boof, paging Mr. Boof, Mr. Fred Boof. You know, wait a second. It, yeah, so it's not uh, Stan Smith. It looks like it had two stripes and not three stripes. It could have been blue or black. Uh, so some sort of Adidas. I don't know what they were. But then we're at the B&G shopping market. Uh, uh, and Chidi's grocery shopping without a shirt on. He's got a, a thing full of almond milk. Uh, then he grabs some stag chili. Skips the Hormel chili. But they're probably owned by the same conglomerate. Takes some peeps, pink, purple, yellow, and cyan, cayenne, blue, or turquoise. It looks like they are 99 cents a pack. Uh, puts on this uh, beautiful uh, lavender shirt. Who, what, when, wine. Uh, what does it say? But maybe one. Oh, no, sorry, I went backwards. Oh, there's these, like, wafer rolls, like those things you get uh, at Trader Joe's I was talking about, cocoa batons, they call them wafer rolls in Australia, one ninety nine, And I think they had, like, a coconut strawberry and a cocoa. Uh, reviv- oh, good thing about Chidi, I knew I liked him. He likes peanut M&M's, uh, so buys a lot of peanut M&M's. And they say, yeah, you can't shop without a shirt, so he gets a who, what, when, where wine. It was kind of like a stock photo, uh, like wine glass in it, like a splash in there, lavender. He gives a double thumbs up. Uh, he checks out. He's got the almond milk in there. Behind him is like an almond dispenser with almonds spilling out of it. Uh, his total's 880. Yeah, then Jason's talking about free money. Uh or, oh, uh, Tahani says, are you poor? Jason says, don't do that. Chin guitar, trusty current plan. I don't know what that is. Trudy, Trudy current plan, Australian currency. I know what that says. Uh, chin guitar, Trudy current plan. Uh, oh, Jason gets real here. He really has a, he has a real moment. Uh, talking about how much money would have changed his life, how little uh, would have, uh, how just a little money would have changed his life. And then right at, we're at FNB Bank, uh, who won't process 131 million British pounds for Jason from Tahani because he had to, took too many lollipops, which did look like dum-dums. Uh, Tahani mentions the Heart of Oak Ocean necklace she got from James Cameron. Uh, Fred Boof gets his stuff back, and we have another big emotional note, really de- real depth. Uh, like, I put wow uh, around this picture. Good luck, Daddy. Maybe, like, a level of, I mean, I don't mean this in a bad way, like emotional manipulation that just says, uh, where are we going with this season? Uh, you know, what am, what's everybody up to? Like, you know, how many layers uh, is this really happening or not, you know? Well, let's just kick back and enjoy it, right? Then Chidi uh, has a masterful scene. Oh, first, we have a moment where Eleanor's touched, uh, truly touched. And then Chidi's making chili with peeps and M&Ms. And he says, okay, this is a kind of important recap. Over the last 2,500 years, uh, Western philosophy has three main themes of how to live an ethical life. Uh, virtue ethics from Aristotle, which promoted uh, courage and generosity and Dunlop or something in accordance uh, 
then there's a shot of this in action with Jason and Tahani giving away money and supporting people. Uh, then uh, consequentialism, uh, you know, rightness stems from the consequences, like how much good versus how much ungood. Uh, and we see Jason and Tahani again. Uh, then deontology rules and uh, duties that everyone must follow these rules, you know, live in accordance with it, and that works. Uh, and let's see, we're, let's see, he's talking about it right now. Oh, that's when Eleanor uh, decides to, uh, that's after Eleanor's rule discussion, she returns the wild to Fred, and then he says, all three of these are dookie. You know, I'm down for nihilism. Do whatever, goodbye. He has this big out moment, uh, this big out moment with his class, uh, and Eleanor says, uh, Cool speech, teacher. Cool, cool lecture. And then she says, "Why do I always have a stomach ache?" And she says, "Well, is it chilly?" And then we get led to this emotional high that I could so relate to. Eleanor says, "I have a plan." Uh, Michael and Janet are just finishing up the manifesto, a complete account, big stack of papers of everything we've done. Cinnamon rolls made out, oh, including a recipe of cinnamon rolls made out of pizza roll dough. And maybe someone can learn from our mistakes, uh, which I guess thematically kind of couples with what Eleanor's going to be talking about in a second. Uh, then Michael says, let's take some time and enjoy our time on Earth. Let's go to a lens crafters. Uh, Janice says, I'm going to get some bangs. And then uh, 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 Eleanor and um, Chidi show up and they say, is everything okay? Uh, you know, other than everything, I think Michael says that. Uh, and Eleanor says, it's all chilly under the bridge, dude. And then then Jason and Tanya show up. They have big news, which kind of sets Janet uh, on edge in a subtle way. Really, really amazing. Uh, uh, so many just callbacks, these jokes about tacos and marriage. Uh, and... Uh, then Eleanor, who is clearly is the heroine and the leader, if we didn't know that already, this one, she says, all right, I need everyone to focus up. He says, the six, and this is really, uh, this message really, really, and I'm not choking, joking at all, hit home for me. She says, okay, we're all doomed. Uh, so the six of us are all doomed with what we have left. We can try, uh, try to do good, try to help people we care about let's try and she's who, who wants to try and everyone goes to we're in we're in we're in and then i think the last person is cheaty and she says cheaty you want to join the soul squad and save some souls and he says yeah after i go potty and then larry rolls up and so it ends on this funny little joke with larry in really one of the all-time great episodes in my opinion uh, just with, uh, it just, the show literally has soul, deep soul to it. Uh, and, and, you know, philosophical depth, really enjoyable episode. Uh, so let's see what came up with this episode. Uh, like, what did I look up? What did I research? Okay. So the first thing that came up was this pattern that goes around the, the interdimensional door. And back when I first moved to California, I didn't know what I was going to do when I was a grown-up. Uh, that took quite a while. Uh, so when I first moved to the Bay Area, the, the, like I had a, at first I was temping. I was a Kelly girl, and people will laugh. But they, they, like I went to this two temp agencies that were competing with one another. 
And this was in the modern time, and they still, like I said, well, normally we refer to the people that work here as Kelly girls. It was a, a temp agency, and I said, well, I'm fine with that. One, I said, two, w- w- wake up, eh? And they said, well, it's just a remnant. But, but I said, well, which so I was temping, and then I get a job installing ergonomic workstations uh, in, uh, in, in, in tech companies for the most part. That's not totally true. But so one of the companies was installing these workstations in was called Hexcel, H-E-X-C-E-L. And I remember I was with the salesperson that sold the uh, ergonomic workstations. And usually it was just a team. Like the salesperson would handle the customer. Well, I ended up handling more customer service than I was happy about. But uh, this was one of these carbon fiber uh, companies. And... uh, their claim to fame was something about that hex shell, uh, hex cell shape. You know, it looks like they're doing pretty good because according to the website, uh, Hexcel is a global leader in advanced composites technology. They make a wide range of applications, stronger, lighter, and tougher. Founded in 1948, 6,200 employees, 23 plants, and 1.9 billion in sales. Uh, latest news, uh, they're on display at Composites Europe 2018. Uh, C-A-M-X at 2018. It just opened something new in France. You know, they got their own uh, autoclaves, uh, acoustic cap technology, reducing uh, aircraft noise. I could use some of that if, if you're listening. Uh, what else do we got here? Uh, that's the latest news uh, products. Let's see. I think they make bikes and everything. Yeah, carbon fiber. Uh, fabric reinforcement, uh, prepegs and resins, uh, including hex ply, uh, hex bond adhesives, honeycomb, uh, tooling. A lot of people say hex tools. I'd like to put a hex school, a hex tool on scoots, or get a hex tool to, to deal with scoots and parts and structures. So this is a little bit about Hexel. And I remember you could see it off the 580. I think they're in Dublin or where I installed stuff. Maybe they had two locations that I installed stuff at. Uh, but, yeah, it was, uh, everybody that worked there was very nice. I remember, uh, like, we met, like, whatever, the office manager and whoever that was. Uh, they, they were very involved. I was very impressed. I was, you know, I always have these secret daydreams. I was hoping they would give me, like, a carbon fiber bike, uh, not that that ever happened at any company ever, uh, but I said, well, it'd be cool if they gave me, just handed me a carbon fiber bike and said, go to it, kid. Uh, but that did not happen. So that's Hexcel. I don't know if they have anything to do with the interdimensional door. Probably not. Uh, and then uh, we had a Frenchie Fuqua, uh, which reminds me of Antoine Fuqua, uh, who was best known for uh, the Academy Award-winning Training Day. But started as a, a, a video music video director, uh, born in Pennsylvania. Uh, let's see what what else. Uh, started off making videos for Tony Braxton, Coolio, Stevie Wonder, and Prince, uh, and then started working on feature films in the uh, late '80s, early '90s. Uh, had a big fan of Kurosawa. Uh, this is all according to. Uh, also worked with uh, John Wu, uh, with the replacement fr- uh, friends, uh, then Training Day with Denzel Washington, uh, then uh, Tears of the Sun, King Arthur, 
then a movie, uh, uh, Squirt, uh, Squirter, then uh, and Brooklyn's Finest, Olympus Has Fallen, Equalizer with Denzel, and then Equalizer 2 that uh, recently came out, uh, adapting uh, After Dark with Wesley Snipes. Uh, let's see, you know, on and off of other projects, uh, uh, did uh, Southpaw, uh, let's see, 20th Century Fox, uh, a little bit of this is, uh, yeah, let's see, what else, uh, Magnificent Seven, that's uh, like, uh, it seemed like it did really, really well, and uh, that was influenced by Seven Samurai. Uh, Fuqua was also involved in the 2016 uh, remake of Roots. Uh, maybe in talks uh, to make a remake a famous uh, movie starring Al Pacino. Oh, then Fuqua left, uh, and the Coen brothers are working on that. But now Fuqua's back on that. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, really beloved, uh, beloved director, in my opinion. Really, a director I have a great, like a great, great, great love of, and uh, yeah, just uh, when I thought of Fuqua, that's what I thought of. What about the term Jamokes? Uh, Eleanor uses it. Uh, where does it come from? Well, this article is over at MiriamWebster.com, and it is titled uh, something, something. The title of the, the slow-loading page, uh, 10 Common Words with Milita- Military Origins. doesn't have an author, though. Um, a ginormous, which means extremely large, is a portmanteau of gigantic and enormous. Uh, and came from uh, British military slang. Uh, 1962 dictionaries of Sailor's Dictionary, ginormous brush. And a ginormous party in the mess. Uh, anything humongous. Uh, Pickett, which is a person posted for demonstration or protest, it was in the 1600s because uh, it was originally what the stakes that were used to mark out an area for building fortifications. Uh, Pickett was also used uh, in uh, other military terms. Uh, and uh, yeah, so. Uh, uh, jamok, uh, definition coffee, uh, alter, alter, alteration of jamok. Both words originated in uh, naval slang in 1890s and found a home in different people's parlance. Uh, Java and mocha, uh, two places coffee has been grown, but then it became uh, uh, inconsequential fellow. Uh, one wag claims that the transition happened when military personnel used a jamok jokingly for colleagues that didn't uh, pay for coffee or wasn't a, weren't as important as coffee. Uh, umpteen, uh, very many numerous, uh, comes from uh, umpty, a slang word used in the military for an indefinite but fairly large number. Umpteen was probably created uh, by analogy to actual numbers such as 20 and 30 and was originally used to handle, as a handle for the dashes uh, in Morse code. Umpteen uh, abounds, but umpty's not really used. Uh, raunchy is, uh, we know what that means. Uh, it was in 1930s in the United States Air Corps for Air Corps uh, cadets that were unkempt uh skedaddle uh run away 
is off alteration of scattle, a word used in British dialect for someone running off, uh, or, you know, a, a pet running off. Uh, skedaddle was used in Union troops, by Union troops. Uh, so that's when it made, what about scosh, uh, a small amount, uh, comes from the Japanese word sukoshi, S-U-K-O-S-H-I, sukoshi, S-U-K-O-S-H-I, which is pronounced, if I would have read a little bit, skoshi, which means a tiny bit, uh, it could have been shortened by servicemen in Japan in uh, WW2 for any small amount, skosh. Uh, spit and polish, uh, there's a couple other ones in there, but that's from Merriam-Webster. Thanks, Merriam-Webster. Now, Michael says our current timeline on Earth is a flat, like a straight line, but it made me think of our friend uh, uh, from, uh, our true friend, uh, who also is a detective, uh, Rust Cole, I think it was his name, uh, and uh, the idea of the time being a flat circle. Uh, which is also known as the eternal return. Here's a couple of eternal return quotes. Uh, first, we'll start with Rust Cole's. Uh, his name, yeah, Rust Cole. Uh, someone told me time is a flat circle. Everything we've ever done or will do, we're going to do over and over again. Uh, but then uh, for, for Nietzsche, uh, who came up in this episode, uh, says, Supreme Star of Being, Tablet of Eternal Forms, you come towards me. Why hasn't anyone beheld your mute beauty? Why doesn't it escape my gaze? A sign of necessity, tablet of eternal forms, but of course you know it. What everyone hates, what I alone love, that you are eternal, that you are necessary. My love is ever ignited only through necessity. Sign of necessity, supreme star of being, that no desire attains. Uh, that no, no desecrates, eternal yes of being, eternally I am your yes, for I love you, O oh, oh eternity. Uh, there's Nietzsche there, uh, and there's a lot of other ones uh, uh, that I'll link to, but let's check on Wikipedia uh, uh, a little bit about the eternal return which I guess is different than Jeremy Barabin, but maybe not. Eternal recurrence is a theory that the universe and all existence and energy have been recurring and will continue to recur in a self-similar form an infinite number of times across uh, infinite time or space. Uh, this theory has been found in Indian philosophy and in ancient Egypt. Uh, the Stoics and Pythagoreans talked about it with the decline of antiquity. In the spread of Christianity, this theory fell into disuse in the Western world, with the exception of Nietzsche, who connected the thoughts uh, to many of his con con uh, concepts, including Amor Fati, which I think maybe was how this episode ends on that note, embrace your fate, uh, love uh, your fate. I guess that's what Eleanor is saying at the end of the episode. Interesting that I miss that, because I used to have Amor Fati on an index card across from my foot of my bed. And I'd say, what does that mean? What does that mean again? I gotta go back to bed. Eternal return is based on the philosophy of predeterminism uh, and predestiny, which you know you can't. Not, but it, that's kind of what this episode's about, right? Uh, wow, this the depth. Uh, I salute you. Uh, the good place. Uh, basic sem uh, premise uh, proceeds from the uh, assumption that the probability of world coming to existence. 
like our own is non-zero. Uh, if uh, space and time are infinite, then it follows that our existence must reoccur an infinite number of times. Uh, uh, and it's 1871, Louis-Auguste uh, Blancois, uh, maybe, uh, said, uh, assuming in, in Newtonian cosmology, where time and space are infinite, claimed to have demonstrated eternal recurrence as mathematical certainty. Uh, in ancient Egypt, the scarab was uh, viewed as a sign of eternal renewal and reemergence uh, and a reminder of the life to come. Uh, also, Mayans and Aztecs took a cyclical view of time. Uh, so, a little bit about it. Uh, in Nietzsche, the concept of eternal reoccurrence, uh, as we've talked about, is central to writings in Nietzsche. Uh, it comes up again and again. Lots of quotes, including like the one uh, Chidi says, uh, Let's see. Several authors have pointed out that the occurrences of hypotheses in contemporary thought. There's a lot more about it, but uh, that you could read about if you like. Uh, it just reminded me of Ruskell. What about the Swanson Safe Company? First of all, great alliteration. And then, you know, Ron Swanson. Uh, Swanson Safes came up. Tahani's money was in a Swanson Safe. Jason had been in one. And there's lots of writings. This is from the AV Club. Uh, had numerous links between the good place and parks and rack, uh, in that uh, some things might exist in both universes, or maybe they are part of the same universe. Uh, and I'll link to this. Uh, you know, Ron Swanson never explicitly got into the safe business. It says, uh, and now I lost my face. Uh, oh, but uh, if he did, he would have been very sturdy and uh, pretty thing. But then uh, the good place podcast. Uh, it did a, a, they had it as the sponsor, the Swanson Safe Company, uh, is, uh, they, they were talking about their quality of their safes, uh, and who voiced that out, uh, and we don't know, or do we? I don't know. So to listen to that episode, that was, uh, episode, uh, channel 21, uh, with Jason Manzukis and, uh, Jeff Rosenberg. So listen to that episode and, uh. Listen to that ad for Swanson Safes. And by the way, keep it safe. Put everything in a Swanson Safe. Uh, safe, secure. Swanson Safes. Thanks. Okay, what about taxi cab meters? Uh, they came up and, you know, it's something you see less and less with uh, ride-sharing apps. And if you ever lived in New York uh, and you didn't have any, you know, you know the agony of watching these meters and saying what... Uh, or anyway, I guess anybody, it's probably a universal thing if you've ever ridden in a cab uh, and you're not a Monopoly person. You're probably saying, holy cow, like, uh, you got to be kidding me, right? Uh, so according to Wikipedia, a taxi meter is a mechanical or an electronic device uh, in taxi cabs and auto rickshaws that calculates fares uh, based on time and distance traveled. A modern one was invented in... Uh, uh, in, by German Friedrich Wilhelm Gustav Brun in 1891. And the Dahmer Victoria was the first gasoline-powered uh, taxi cab in 1897. Yeah, they were originally mechanical, mounted outside the cab, uh, above the driver's front side wheel. And then they got relocated inside. Uh, and uh, people were familiar back then with the sound of the ticking mechanism. 
And they even had like a flag, I think, that you could put up and down that kind of started it. And some of them like would say, you know, I don't know, hired or unhired, or I don't know what the thing says. Uh, you know, some of them had printers. There's a lot of different ones across the world. So people probably co- co- collect these. Uh, oh, free or for hire, occupied or hired, to pay or stopped. Uh, uh, so it's just a little bit about it. It's probably there's probably a taxi museum somewhere. Uh, now, Stan Smith sneakers. I saw Eleanor was wearing Stan Smiths. I don't think she was, though, even though there are blue Stan Smiths. Here's the thing. I wore Stan Smiths uh, on and off for probably like 10 years of my life. It, that was when they were out of style. Now they're in style, but uh, or they were recently. Uh, it is a, a tennis shoe made by Adidas, uh, maybe for playing sports, more for like uh, looking good. I can't believe I wore white sneakers, and yeah, they didn't stay white for long. Uh, Stan Smith was a tennis player uh, from the 60s to the 80s. Uh, White leather upper, laces, simple design. It does not have external three stripes. It just has perforations or ventilation holes as stripes. Uh, So it has this minimalist branding. And it's usually green, but I know they've come out with a blue model. Yeah, it started in the 60s, and then in the 70s it was named after Stan Smith, uh, after uh, like an agreement. Uh, between the 80s and the 90s, 22 million pairs had been sold. Uh, by 94, that it got to 23.7 million a Stan Smith too. I don't know if I've had a Stan Smith too. Uh, it came out in uh, 2008. It's uh, part of the additional Adidas Originals line. Yeah, 40 million pairs have been sold. I uh, wonder how much Stan Smith ever got. Best-selling tennis shoe ever, maybe. It's a complex sneakers listed at number four as the 50 greatest tennis sneakers of all time. It, due to the enormous success, they stopped marketing the shoe in 2012. Uh, uh, maybe, uh, maybe it's a myth. I don't know. Uh, 2014, they re uh, uh, launched it with the ability to customize your own pair. I wonder if you can still do that. You should do it with purple. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, let's see if anybody knows anything more about it. Uh, hit me up. Uh, it's a little bit about Stan Smiths. It's a pretty packed episode, so I may have to link to some of the stuff. But uh, Peeps came up. Uh, they're marshmallow candies uh, shaped into chicks, e- chicks, Easter bunnies, or other animals. Uh, you know, people, they tend to be a divisive thing, and they have expanded. I worked with a woman named Joan who loved Peeps. I, I like Peeps. Uh, I'm not against them. Uh, manufactured in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania by Just Born Candy Company. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they expanded a lot in uh, 2009, lip balm and other things. Uh, you know, then they started, it looks like they have a Halloween peeps. So I'll have to check those out. Uh, I don't know if I've had those. Uh, peeps are sometimes referred to jokingly as indestructible. Emory University performed experiments to see uh, what they could do to it, uh, and uh, you know, they, they some places say they're totally insoluble, uh, but according to this, it's like maybe not. Uh, so yeah, that's just a little bit about Peeps. Uh, it was cool to see it on the episode, and 
Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Uh, beautiful Australian currency in this one. I got to say that uh, I'm preferable. I don't know which what my favorite note is. Uh, five down has some uh, beautiful colors from Sleep With Me podcast. Uh, ten's got a nice blue turquoise. Uh, yeah, but I think the $20 note's mine, favorite. It's just a, a bold red. Though the 100 is a clean green. I also like the dollar coin. Yeah, let's see when these were issued. I think 2016. Uh, let's see if they have uh, the designs. Uh, and there's a lot. The dollar coin replaced the dollar note in 1984. Topix 5 kangaroos. $2 coin. Got rid of the $2 note in 1988. Uh, which has an Aboriginal tribal elder against the background of the Southern Cross and native uh, grass trees. A uh, twenty-cent coin has a platypus on it. That's I got to get some. I got to get my hands on some of these coins. Uh, Ten-cent coin has a male lyrebird dancing, which is a mimic bird. So the currency you have to go over in another time, but uh, beautiful, beautiful bills as well as. Uh, I haven't seen pictures of the coins, but mostly the bills were featured. They were giving out a lot of 20s, I, I think, in this episode. And then one more piece of uh, candy news. What about dum-dums? It seemed like Jason was having those. Uh, D-U-M-D-U-M-S, so lollipops, so sphere-shaped lollipops. And they're from an Akron candy company in Bellevue, Ohio. Uh, they were thinking that that name would be something any child could say. They were purchased by Spangler Candy Company and moved to Bryan, Ohio. Initially, there was uh, seven flavors, lemon, lime, orange, coconut, pineapple, cherry, grape, and butterscotch. Uh, they've gone from plastic to paper strips and back again. Then uh, uh, 16 new flavors rotating in the mix every so often. Mystery flavor is the result of the end of the one batch mixing with the new batch. Uh, ra- I didn't know that. Rather than stopping production to clean machines in between flavors. And it looks like the Wikipedia article links to a thing. What is a mystery flavor of Dum Dum's uh, Mental Floss article? So that's cool to check out. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, one last thing is the Heart of the Ocean necklace. Uh, which was from the movie Titanic. Is it real? Uh, that was the question I had. It's a fictional blue diamond featured in the film Titanic, a 56 carats owned by Louis XIV uh, and put in a heart shape during the French Revolution. Uh, Billy Zane purchased it uh, before riding on the Titanic. Uh, it was going to be a ga- engagement gift for Rose. Uh, and it's believed that Rose uh, and was wearing the necklace at some point, uh, and then people wanted to get it. Uh, the story of the Hope Diamond uh, has many similarities to the Heart of the Ocean, except the Hope Diamond was not on uh, any ships that went uh, uh, to the big farm in the sea. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so that's just a little bit about it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I wanted to see there's the J. Peterman necklace. Uh, uh, blue cubic zirconia, the Asprey and Gerard necklace, uh, uh, which was based on the film, 171 carat uh, sapphire. Uh, I think it got sold for a donation uh, to support a bunch of charities for 1.4 million. 
Oh, under the agreement, Celine Dion would wear it for the 1998 Academy Awards. Uh, so, yeah, so that's a Oh, and then the J. Peterman Company did sell uh, reproductions of it. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit about uh, there's some stuff that came up on The Good Place. Uh, and, yeah, all we got to do is try, just like Eleanor says. Uh, uh, you've joined this. You know, Oprah has Super Soul Sundays. And on Thursdays, you got the Soul Squad on The Good Place. Uh, good night. All right, I want to thank everybody who reviewed the show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Toby, the best, uh, said, simply works better than the alternatives. Not sure how he does it, but it works. Uh, wake up a few times, and where I used to toss and turn, I just keep the app running at low volume and find it much easier to sleep. Uh, Wild M says, it works and it makes me smile. Love this podcast, really works. I don't fall asleep. Uh, I fall asleep with a smile on my face. Thanks, Scoots. Uh, thank you. Uh, I want to be a kid again and have Scooters. My dad, uh, Scooter, Scooter, squeaky, squeaky, dulcet tones. Uh, take me back to a time when I have to worry about adult stuff. I hear you. And I keep kids sleep so much better without my brain running constantly at night. I didn't realize I needed a bedtime story before I started listening, but now I can't sleep without it. That's from Sherlock Rates. Uh, here's uh, Rob. Uh, Rob Garbo, maybe related to Greta, maybe not. Uh, so boring, I fall asleep before it's over. I don't really know if his bedtime stories are any good. You usually fall asleep during the beginning. That's uh, five stars. Uh, uh, Dora, with a lot of A's and H, uh, works like a charm. I have no issue getting off to sleep, and it's a peaceful one at that, thanks to this podcast. Even if I do wake up, it's not long before I'm off again. Miracle. Can't wait uh, to become a patron. Uh, serotonin uh, says, uh, that's funny. It's spelled with a, 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 a S A R A H, uh, 16. I don't listen on a regular basis, but, uh, the episodes I listen to put me to sleep easily. I should try to incorporate this into my night routine instead of my snack and tone. And, uh, Scoots is a real sweet guy. Thank you. Uh, Irish Fifi from the UK uh, says, uh, and I'll be here to keep you coming in Deep Dark Night. Sending my voice across the Deep Dark Night uh, made me tear up and subscribe within minutes. Uh, just the soothing words you need to hear on a sleepless night. Uh, it Works comes from Chris Dart. Uh, I love this podcast. Drew Scooter cobbles together these amazing meandering stories. They're just enough to listen to if you can't sleep, but boring and dreamy enough uh, that you end up dozing off. Sweet and silly, and the community supportive and wholesome. So glad exists and Scoots can be my boyfriend. Uh, Adam says, my boy sleep bud. Uh, he stepped in the gift of both making me laugh and putting me to sleep. It's phenomenal. Uh, Dawn does not like the ads. Uh, 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 so I guess it's kind of, a, you could become a patron and skip the ads of $5 a month. Uh, uh, so I guess that's the best, probably the best solution. Uh, but yeah, thanks for the review, uh, and uh, thank everybody for uh, supporting the show. Sleep with me is listener supported, either listeners supporting the patrons or supporting the show directly. And you can do either one over to our website sleepwithmepodcast.com. dot uh, Sleep with me is a proud member of Night Vale Presents. Uh, you can check out all the amazing shows over there at nightvalepresents.com. Uh, newest shows: Adventures in New America, Dream Boy, new season of uh, Within the Wires. Uh, check out all of those amazing shows and all the other ones on the website. We're also a member of PRX. You can see everything they're doing at prx.org. And again, thanks for the support. Thanks for making this show possible. Let me tuck you in there. Get a little more comfy, a little more cozy. Uh, 
And uh, thanks, thanks, and good night. I'll talk to you soon, or, you know, right after this in another episode. Good night. Uh, hey, from Yuan. Uh, <laughs> it's time to talk about episode six of season three of The Good Place. Uh, the Ballad of Donkey Dog. Uh, maybe one of my favorite uh, titles of an episode ever, of anything. Except for, you know, Scooter's Great and the Greatest of All Time which was a, a, a podcast episode that was never released. Yeah, but Eleanor, we, well, speaking of Eleanor's shoes, we were talking about them last episode. I think they're Adidas. They only have two stripes, though, so they may be some other brand. I believe it's a deep, deep navy or a black stripe shoe. Yeah, white, white shoe. Very Stan Smith-esque, but probably some details I didn't pick up there. Eleanor's, and we see Eleanor's feet are up on Chidi's desk. She's kicked back, uh, totally in chill, 100% chill mode, really relaxed and having fun, talking to Janet about the past. Uh, my notes here say good mood. Uh, she's talking about Kylie Man- Manson, this Man- Mansnard or Mansnard and uh, Nathan Burlingame. I like that. They really do a good job at naming things. Nathan Burlingame is a name that, that uh, I'd like to say again and again. And this might be a stretch because it's not 100% Roy G. Biv. Uh, maybe your shirt's the opposite Roy. Red, orange, Roy. Yeah, it's a reverse from bottom to top. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got some action here on Eleanor's shirts. Because they said, is it a rainbow? It is. It's a reverse rainbow. Uh, Roy, red, Roy, Roy, red, orange, yellow, G, green, biv, blue, indigo. It would be blue, indigo, violet if indigo and violet are considered, which sometimes they are different shades of the same color. I mean, no offense, indigo or violet. I don't believe that, but I'm just saying it because Eleanor's shirt actually has uh, only six stripes, uh, where Roy G. Biv has uh, seven things. Uh, but it is a rainbow. It just starts, uh, instead of going top to bottom, it goes Roy G. Biv. It goes whatever, however, Vib, G, Your. Yeah, Biv G, Viv, Vib, G, your, why, Roy, are your, your, you can play this podcast in reverse sometimes, I guess, uh, and rainbows are in the sky, so again, you know, I'm projecting meaning, but, uh, you know, Eleanor's clothing is related to a great look off of Janet and uh, Eleanor's confidence, uh, someone says good news, uh, oh, Chidi says it, because he says, you know, now I'm free and easy, I'm surprised Eleanor didn't have a quip for that one. Because he's no longer working for the university. Also, he has to break up with Simone. But he can't lie. But, he, you know, this is a lie of exclusion because she thinks he has laryngitis. Also, seemed like Janet's learning from Eleanor because she's so impressed with Eleanor's confidence. I wonder over the rest of the season what influence, uh, romant, you know, romantic influence uh, Eleanor's confidence and swagger will have on uh, Janet and Jason, you know, if any. You know, but if not, you, you can always check out my uh, other podcast, uh, uh, Janet and Jason. Uh, Janet and Jason. Not, it's tentatively called Janet and Jason After Dark because that's what I call all of those things. Uh, but uh, you know, Jan, Janet and uh, 
uh, Macy in the privacy of his butthole. Uh, anyway, I, I haven't written it yet because I don't think I don't have time, believe it or not. Yeah, Janet and Jason and Jason's butthole. Okay, where was I? Went off topic. Uh, GDS breakup with Simone. Can't lie. Janet's learning from Eleanor. Impressed with her confidence. Bing. Oh, Janet has to do her own bings now. Uh, Janet's going to build a simulator. Uh, big. Uh, there's a, good, a lot of laughs in this with uh, Janet's turning around. Uh, then we see Chapter 32. Right, Randy Macho Man Savage in non-international airport in J- Jacksonville. Uh, and Jason says, Jacksonville, what up? Duvar, I don't know. I have to Google what he said because I can't figure it out. Duvar, he doesn't say Bortles. And everyone says it back to him. It's not Bortles backwards. Uh, and uh, Tahani says, poor Larry. And intro, den of line. Oh, uh, they're, they're, she's reading Us Weekly or uh, Us Weekly. Which uh, was an article by her and Larry. And the back is an ad for a Gary Perillo book, uh, Den of Lions. Actually, I got a box set to make sure I looked that up. Uh, and it says, here's the quote on Us, Us Weekly uh, Larry Hemsworth blows it again. It's over. Tahani says, uh, Ta ta. Set the free. Set them free. There's something. Uh, but Tahani says, Ta ta. Uh, so poor Larry. Then we talk about laser pointers, uh, Hillboy. Uh, oh, this is a big reveal. Is this when it's revealed that Donkey Dog is, uh, oh yeah, Donkey Dog dad drop. Uh, and, uh, Tahani says, I'm sorry. The man you call Donkey Dog is your father. Uh, uh, and just a really classic, uh, he says, yeah, he, he said, uh, Mistaken identities with uh, Buzz Lightyear issues. Uh, he's big into get-rich-quick schemes. Counterfeit truck nuts. Uh, Michael. So it's uh, this Soul Squad is Michael, Tahani, and Jason. Yeah. So he's he, but he was trying to get his electrician's license at some point. Uh, we see a monster truck taxi. Yeah, Michael laughs when the taxi, I think when he sees the taxi, he's just laughing with joy uh, as it does monster truck moves. Uh, we go uh, to Donkey Dog's apartment, which is uh, very hilarious. And then he finally says, come on in. Uh, then we get to see Janet's uh, VR machine, which has, she says, it also has Tetris, uh, which I thought was funny. And, uh, oh, she does this thing where you enter into the virtual reality via tone. It tricks your brain into thinking the VR is real. I did put, would this work? And then uh, uh, Eleanor has questions for, about the VR with Jason Statham, Jason Statham futons, and Red Bulls. Uh, and they talk about, uh, which is interesting. There's a lot of great articles about it. I don't know if I'll get to it in the research section of like how technology and PORN develop in line with one another. And uh, then I put tone to trick brain question mark. Creaky, creaky dulcet tones, anyone? Uh, then we have a cheaty breakup sequence. Uh, what does that say? Infraction can't. Infraction cat. Uh, Infaction can't say that didn't go great. Uh, 
in faction can't uh, say. Uh, but he says, uh, you know, I can't say. I got oh, information, and I can't say what it is. Uh, so he, it doesn't go great, even the simulations. So then they talk about Donkey, Donkey Doug going, you know, uh, you know, real straight uh, electrician. He goes late for that, later for that, or something. I love Pill. Oh, Pillboy comes out of the bedroom. He's his style is. Uh, I love his style for real. Both him and Donkey Doug have like long shorts on. I'm not sure what you call those capris uh, or short pants. I don't know. I have to look it up. Uh, and uh, but Donkey Doug has uh, two different layers of uh, kind of tropical look uh, that really looks good on him: a shirt and uh, a jacket. So I liked his look. Uh, lots of uh, oh, there's lots of signs, street signs, or mostly safety signs. Uh, Around, uh, decorating Donkey Doug's apartment. Uh, pitch for, oh, there's a 970 sign, Florida 970. I said to look that up. Uh, and they introduce a product, like kind of like on Shark Tank, Double Trouble. Uh, and they say, well, do you, what do you use it for? And they, they say, you both it. Uh, Cheedy is back in his office uh, with Eleanor trying to plan and make um, Janice says I made some modifications to the thing, and there's some smooth jazz. There's just these great little moments that are uh, visual humor, uh, and this is one of them. Janet points it at Cheedy, and uh, Cheedy makes like this impressed face uh, with just the smooth jazz, uh, uh, which Janet points to Cheedy on. Okay, then we go through resets. They say, well, if you want to reset the simulation, just snap your fingers. And between resets that Chidi does and I think Eleanor does, there's uh, five, six, seven resets. Uh, the last one on a puppy named Martin. And they're all doing it in this cafe. A couple of lemons on a plate uh, with a spoon. Uh, a flower on the, two different flowers on the table. Trying to see what the background is. There's an old man behind Cheedy right now. Still an old man. Now he's at a table with another man. And now the same old man sitting down. Maybe it was, uh, he's sitting down with a woman that time. Uh, now Cheedy's proposing. This is part of one of the, one of the reboots. Uh, one thing I haven't been doing tracking this season is, uh, Chidi's been wearing a lot of sweater vests, uh, and he has a nice gray, it seems to be a wool sweater vest on. Is that what it is? A sweater, sleeveless sweater. What is it? Is that a sweater vest? Uh, no buttons. He has a tie on, maybe a knit tie, some beautiful pants, like a wine-colored pant, and then a stylish blue uh, dress shirt with uh, dots on it. Now, Eleanor is uh, VRing as Simone and saying, you doink, uh, you're doinking or something. Have Eleanor do it. Uh, matches her sweater. What does that mean? Your ex. Oh, then Eleanor goes in now as. Uh, 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 she goes in as Cheedy into the simulation to, to talk to Simone. And oh, the painting matches her sweater. And they say, Your accent is so cute. Your accent is so cute. What is happening? Uh, then we cut to the pool. Uh, raspberry respungence, uh, oh, raspberry perspirant. 
These are the flavors of Double Trouble, or the smells. Uh, oh, flavor and smell, yes. Yeah, raspberry perspirant, cedarwood melon blast, uh, and a 24-hour lemon musk extreme. Also, there was a flyer for the electric who's, who's it or who's it jam. I don't know if any of the dance teams danced in that. I was just trying, just got to look at the, So there's a lot of shots of the pool outside of Donkey Doug's apartment. He lives in a most, I've lived in an apartment building like this, like a motel style apartment, uh, like around an outdoor pool, kind of kind of similar, popular in California. Yeah, I think uh, who who lived there? You know who lived in one was uh, the Karate Kid in the original Karate Kid. And in this one, oh, I almost I keep trying to pause it here so he can see the pool and get a little overview of the pool. There's a man floating in the pool in a, a blue pool float napping. Yeah, a blue striped one looks a little bit like Derek, uh, to be honest. And then there's uh, he has a cooler, which is a, a forest friend floating cooler. Looks like a lot of cans. And then there's a lot of solo cups, uh, a chair, a couple of chairs in the pool, like at the bottom. You know, in case you want to like 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 I like to sit at the bottom of the pool and pretend I'm having a tea party. Maybe some blue solo cups in the pool. I can't tell what the other thing is. Uh, one piece of lawn chair hanging off the side. It looks like the Derek type person. Maybe his flip flops are on the side of the pool. Uh, but I also see another chair that has a towel on it. Then there's a woman sunning. There's about eight solo cups next to her. There's a lot of towels around the whole apartment building. Pretty realistic looking apartment building. Uh, and uh, like I think, uh, yeah, could, Australia or LA could be. Uh, definitely the kind of place you'd say, yeah, that makes sense that Donkey Dog lives there. Okay, so we get back, uh, sweater so cute, raspberry perspirant, oh, electric. Oh, P- Pillboy does a, a, a real-time day. He says, if I had money, first of all, they take out these, like, microwave burritos or something, and they serve everybody or something. I couldn't, maybe they're Hot Pockets. Oh, they are Hot Pockets, it looks like. Yeah, so he's, they serve out the Hot Pockets, uh, uh, but and Pillboy's holding like a plush, a plush uh, forest friend uh, tiger. Uh, oh, but he does this. So they say, "Well, if I had money, these are the things I do." He does it in real time. In uh, uh, who's the characters again? What are the characters' names? Uh, not Jason, not Tahani. Uh, but Michael says, uh, "Listen, we don't need a, a sleep with me day minute by minute pot." They don't say sleep with me, but he says, "I don't need a minute by minute." Uh, version of your day but really good details uh like and it kind of i mean it really is true to character because uh pillboy was excited about getting up uh going down eating breakfast having to go to the store opening the fridge saying we need milk getting in my car driving to go get milk I know, just a little bit of extra connectivity especially connected to jason how he said last episode like uh this little bit of money w- would have made a big difference. Uh, it seems to be the same for Pillboy. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, but uh, Jason, uh, Donkey Duck says, why won't you believe in me, Jason? And I think somebody says, well, maybe you should reach for the stars on the right, but maybe this is part of being on the right path. Uh, 
And they said, well, we got to go to a, a few factories to get supplies, you know, borrow uh, uh, them from uh, a uh, energy drink factory, a cologne factory, and a bottle factory. And they say, maybe this is a lost cause. So three of the Soul Squad has a meeting. And Jason goes, I have an idea. Will you help me? And they say, yeah, that's the whole idea. And then it was just very, uh, uh, Tahani says, what's your idea, darling? Uh, then we have our second Nemo-themed restaurant I was aware of, French Pressing Nemo Cafe. Uh, save Pillboy. So I guess I'm jumping around. Uh, Chidi's at the Nemo Cafe uh, with Eleanor as a coach. She says, okay, uh, and I, I did, is this a real double question mark? I think this is real. Uh, but so, uh, oh, I'm just noticing Simone has a really nice uh, suede-style uh, purse backpack. Uh, not that it might be, probably not real suede, but... Uh, uh, iced tea is what Simone orders. Uh, Chidi orders a water. Sugar, uh, yes. There's also a big, like, cupcake container on a shelf over Chidi's shoulder. Uh, like, I didn't know if it was, like, a cookie jar or, like, a tin cupcake container. Cupcake-themed container looked like a cupcake. Not to store cupcakes, necessarily. More to evoke the spirit of cupcakes. But uh, let's see. Helmet comes. He's trying to take their order. And nothing goes well. Chidi ends up saying, you dumped. Uh, also, there's a tablecloth was purple. And we see Pillboy in action. We learn it's uh, one word, Pillboy, P-I-L-L-B-O-I. Because we see him at work uh, at a retirement community. Uh, helping people like with their meds. Saying, hey, well, this or this. And maybe take this with like a... Like, not that he's a doctor, believe me. And this is a really well set, uh, well designed set. Uh, really looks realistic. Uh, there's a popcorn machine, even. Um, let's see. So then uh, Tahani says, "Change in plans." Uh, oh, Billboy gives good advice. Uh, Tahani says, "Change of plans. You're staying here. You're not involved in any of this uh, energy drink stuff." And that's what Jason wants. And he says, okay. And uh, he says, pills uh, for uh, Tahani. Uh, then Chidi's stressed, uh, no more simulators, I think Eleanor says. Uh, and she says, you know what? Uh, Simone's a badass. Uh, she'll do fine. Uh, if, if you want to talk to her one time, go be a person. Meanwhile, in the background, Janet's using the simulator and uh, Eleanor's like, I got to go. Uh, what is it? Eleanor wants to go to specific uh, steam room. Oh, no. A specific Lenny Kravitz concert. And I'll let you watch the episode to see what Janet is, steam room thing. But she says, that's a bug in the system, by the way. Uh, then we're at the first. Jason goes to help Donkey Doug. Uh, yeah, but he says, you know what? I'm trying to save Pillboy. And they get busted, and Donkey Dad, Donkey Doug says, uh, "I'm going to do what my dad for did for me. Your my dad, his dad did for him, and his dad did for him. I'm going to uh, let you get away, Jason." And he goes, uh, "Thanks. Uh, call me." And he says, "Call me Donkey Dad." And then he goes, "You know what? No, no, no." And he says, "Call me Donkey Doug." But even better than that. And then he runs out, and he says, "Bortles." Uh, uh, then we're back with Chidi and Simone, and he just says, my feelings have changed. Uh, can't explain more than that. She says, well, you seem to know what you want, which is rare for you. 
And she goes, well, I'll see you in the next life. And then she's like, what do you, how do you, what do you know? What do you know? And she goes, dude, you are so weird. Uh, then we have, uh, uh, Michael with a uh, pill boy giving him a secret message or mi- mission. Uh, and then we see, uh, Tahani and Jason are with him. They say, yeah, we're secret, uh, astronauts for NASA. And there's this deep emotional moment with, uh, in, in a, like a two minute handshake with uh, Pillboy and Jason, uh, really uh, crying it out with their friendship and love for one another, you know, indicating a change of heart with, uh, Pillboy. And he says, I love you, man. Uh, then we're, then, uh, we're in Budapest, uh, hooray or something. Oh, Budapest, Hungary. It, it just, uh, they say soul squads on a roll. And they're there to deal with uh, Tahani's sister, whose name, of course, escapes me. Like, even though I know it, uh, it's escaping me right now. Quentin, no, uh, I almost had it. It was in my brain. It just didn't make it to my mouth. Camilla, Camilla's her name, right? Uh, I think. Uh, but uh, Eleanor, then they find out, we find out about Eleanor's mom still being uh, around town. And Eleanor says, I'm sorry, Tahani, I can't deal with Camilla. I got to go back. I got to leave Budapest and uh, deal with my mom. You know, help her to grow eventually or something. And uh, that's how the episode comes to a close. Another good one, another good one. So we'll do uh, some research of what came up on the episode next. Let's see a look at some of the things that came up this episode. One was like energy drinks. And I said, uh, you know, I've had energy drinks and I'm familiar with them. Uh, but what does Wikipedia say about energy drinks, right? Uh, of course you want me to check that, Scoots. Yes, I do. You know, it's a drink. Uh, it could have caffeine or something else uh, to provide mental or physical stimulation. Marketed as energy, uh, but distinct from food energy. May or may not be carbonated. May or may not have sugar or sweeteners, herbal extracts, taurine, and amino acids, uh, it's a, a subset of a larger group of energy products, bars, gels, distinct from sports drinks, uh, which are advertised to enhance the sports performance. There are many brands and varieties. Uh, coffee and tea are not considered energy drinks. Uh, cola may can, may can, can take caffeine, but it's not an energy drink either. Uh, there are ones that might have some extra, like uh, alcohol in them. Uh, according to Mayo, okay, let's see. You could have about 400 milligrams of caffeine a day. That's what Mayo, Mayo Clinic says, uh, which is like uh, four cups of coffee or five cans of energy drink. So good news for Jason. He's above board. And, uh, uh, well, sorry, Jason. I mean, uh, Pillboy and uh, Donkey Doug. Uh, energy drinks have effects from caffeine and sugar. And no, they're not sure on the other ingredients. Uh, and uh, let's see, combined, uh, they say, may uh, may help with uh, strength and endurance, but no evidence. Uh, and they say, I don't know about To be honest, I don't think you should have four donkey dog a day. Uh, let's see what else it says. Uh, yeah, they say, well, it's uh, popular with, uh, like, uh, people that have it. I'm just trying to figure out when the first one was. Uh, I mean, first they had them like the original soda was uh, energy drinks. And you could look into that history. Uh, early in, uh, in Japan in the 60s, there was a brand 
uh, Jolt Cola, 1985. That may have it, marketing strategy was based on the caffeine con, uh, content. In 95, uh, Josta uh, was uh, launched by Pepsi. Uh, Europe, uh, there was something called Power Horse. Uh, yeah, that became before Red Bull, which is popular. Uh, that launched in 97. It had 47% of the market in 2005. In New Zealand, Australia, V is popular, 60% of the market. Uh, I see UK uh, sold at lower prices than the soft drinks, uh, mostly produced by Canadian beverage maker. Uh, Tesco has KX, uh, formerly known as Kick. Uh, Sainsbury's Blue Bolt, uh, Asad, Asta, Blue Charge. So it's a popular thing. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, here's the thing: they contain uh, caffeine, vitamin B, carbonated water, sugar, uh, guarana. Yerba Mate, Akai, Taurine, Ginseng, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, uh, so this is a little bit about energy drinks. Uh, what about Ma- Randy Macho Man Savage? It was a Randy Macho Man Savage non-international airport that they landed in in uh, Jacksonville. And uh, Randy uh, Savage uh, uh, was born Randy Mario Poffo, P-O-F-F-O. In 1952, he was with us until 2011. He was in uh, WWF, WWE, and WCW. He's regarded as one of the greatest professional wrestlers in history. Uh, He had a deep and raspy voice, a flamboyant ring attire. Often used pomp and circumstances as entrance music. He had an entrance phrase, ooh, yeah. Uh, he was managed by his real life wife, Miss Elizabeth. He won 29 titles in 32 years, two WWF, uh, heavyweight championships, four WCW heavyweight championships, and a one time, uh, WW, uh, intercontinental heavyweight champion. Uh, he was named by WWE as the greatest title holder of all time and brought a higher level of credibility. He was 1987's uh, King of the Ring, uh, won 1995's uh, WCW WW3, headlined uh, WrestleMania's uh, 4, 5, and 8, uh, as well as uh, 5 SummerSlams, uh, Starcade. And he was as popular as uh, the famous Hulk Hogan. He was also signed in the Saint, by the St. Louis Card- Cardinals as a catcher at a high school. Played in the minor leagues. He was placed in the minor leagues. Uh, and uh, one of his teammates uh, was also his roommate, and they would uh, swing a bat into a hanging car tire, car tire as a regular exercise to get stronger. And, uh, and Savage, uh, was, let's see, 74 was the last season. Yeah, then in 73 was when he first got into uh, wrestling. Uh, he had different characters and worked his way up uh, over the years. Yeah, very popular. Uh, um, 
Yeah, and, and all the different WWE, FW, all these different things. Uh, looks like he retired, then came back, uh, and uh, yeah, he was a busy, busy, busy. We were we weren't allowed to watch that when we were kids because we would act out after watching it. So we would try to sneak and watch it. Uh, now there's been a lot of talk about. Uh, uh, Eleanor's shoes this season and trying to figure out for me what they are, which probably is pretty obvious, but I read, I found this article from, uh, uh, trademark and copyright blog.com. And I'm just going to barely fair use it. Uh, but it was written March 16th, 2016 by Natasha Reed, Adidas to trademark competitors, two stripes, you're out. And basically, they said, hey, this, this three-stripe design is ours, and you can't copy it. And the European Union even gave them a further range of protection than U.S. courts, saying that even two stripes uh, uh, created by a Belgium company was too confusingly similar to Adidas's three-stripe design. Uh, the difference between two and three stripes is a minor. Uh, so they said, hey, this is uh, our brand is these stripes. Uh, from this article, from Edidas's point of view, the widespread speculation of its brand with striped sneaker designs may make both these results a no-brainer. Uh, but what if the stripes between the plaintiffs and the defendants differed in the U.S. case? Uh, would it be more challenging uh, if the overall look of respective suit designs are different? Oh, so it's because the shoe looks similar and it has stripes. And they actually have pictures. Okay, so I can even see their point. Like, it's like, uh, yeah, they said even in 20, 2008, and a jury found them, uh, people were copying their design and the stripes on top of it. So just a, just a little bit more about it uh, as they try to figure out eventually. What about laser pointers? Those came up in this episode, and I said, let me learn more about laser pointers or laser pens, according to Wikipedia. A handheld device with a power source, usually a battery, and a laser diode emitting a very narrow, coherent, low-powered laser beam of visible light intended to be used to, uh, to highlight something of interest by illuminating it with a small spot, bright spot of colored lights. Uh, power is uh, not to exceed 5 MWs. Uh, beam itself is relatively in, in, invisible in a clean atmosphere, showing only a point of light. Uh, higher power or uh, high frequency green or blue lasers may produce a beam visible in clean air because of Raleigh uh, scattering from air molecules, especially in a moderate to dimly lit uh, conditions. Oh, that's good. Low cost of IR diode laser modules. Uh, it's created a generation of IR-pumped uh, frequency-doubled green, blue, and red, and violet diode-pumped uh, solid-state laser pointers. Uh, but because the invisible IR component of these beams of these visible layers is difficult to filter out, uh, it also uh, it can make it put, oh, tougher to put in a small laser po pointer package because uh, they get too warm. Uh, laser pointers are a potent signaling tool, even in daylight, uh, and they should be, could be routinely carried in a kit, you know, when you need to get a hold of somebody. Uh, let's see. 
colors and wavelengths. Uh, they uh, early laser pointers were he- helium neon gas lasers, uh, generated laser radiation at 633 nanometers. Uh, the least expensive of these was a deep red laser diode in the 650 nm wavelength. Uh, then you could have red orange, but those were more expensive. Uh, then green was the most common alternative. Uh, then uh, 2005, blue at 473 nanometers, and then Blu-ray, actually violet, 405, went on sale in 2010. Uh, the apparent brightness of a spot from a laser depends on the power of the laser, the reflectivity of the surface, and the chromatic response of the eye looking at it. Uh, outputs of laser pointers are usually in MWs. Uh, yeah, we talk about the different ones, green. Uh, I'm big, big into purple and blues myself, uh, but those sound like, uh, you know, different things. You can use them for pointing, industrial and research, leisure and entertainment, you know, laser light shows. Uh, play things for cats, ferrets, and dogs. Uh, however, this one says the laser pointers have a few applications beyond pointing in the wider entertainment industry. In many venues say, don't bring them, like, uh, to our venue. Yeah, because, you know, we're, we've got our own lasers or whatever. Um, so that's just a little bit about it. Uh, it. It doesn't say anything about the Christmas ones like I have in green and red, but I assume that's like, uh, you know, those are those are a type. Uh, another thing I came up with this episode was trying to make Donkey Doug into an electrician. And I went to HowStuffWorks.com, How to Become an Electrician. This is by HowStuffWorks Contributors. And they say, like many professionals, there's two kinds of electricians, generalists and specialists. Uh, the latter could be commercial, industrial, or maintenance. Uh, but regardless of category, electricians must be able to perform electrical repairs and maintenance in both business and residential buildings. Uh, and uh, they could also be trained to work on building assessment, connectivity, heating and security systems, and more. Uh, becoming an electrician entails entering a certified apprenticeship program. And before that, you have to be uh, 18, have your high school diploma or your GED, one year of high school algebra, be in excellent physical shape, and uh, be cl- have a clean system. This is according to this article. Then uh, you have to decide what kind of electrician you want to be, generalist or specialist. Uh, join an apprenticeship program sponsored by the IBEW or the NECA, or the IEC. And they offer both classroom courses and on-the-job training. It takes four years of apprenticeship. Uh, You could also, and that seems like a lot of those are paid. So look into that. It's a great opportunity, really. I used to try to encourage the kids I was working with to look at that as a possible great vocation. You could also earn a certificate in a technical vocational school or training academy. You'll learn classroom theory in the vocational school and then look for an apprenticeship, uh, develop the on-job skills. So I don't know about that as, as so much because uh, those might be a for-profit business. You also have to continue your education and keep up to date with technology, changes to code, latest developments. you got to get a license for state and local governments. you got to train uh, to be a supervisor or manager. That's just uh, uh, some stuff about being an electrician that Donkey Doug would probably have to deal with at some point. 
Uh, what about monster trucks, right? Uh, the, the monster truck is ca- taxis will pick some up at the airport. And I saw this. Uh, so there's a monster jam. That seems like the big monster truck uh, thing. It looks like there's three different tours. I looked here. There's uh, there's the stadium championship series. Uh, uh, let's see. The triple threat series. Oh, Central, East, and West. Uh, so there, there may be, and then there's the Arena Championship Series. So there's a lot of different tour, tours. Let's take a look at one of these Stadium Championship Series. It, it looks like this one has a uh, 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 Ditch Digger, uh, Jester, TBA, a Dragon, uh, Puppy. Uh, uh, these have uh, Megalodon. Uh, uh, head turn, uh, El Toro Loco, Black Stallion, Over Fun Evolution, Overboard, uh, the Black Pearl, and let's see what places they're hitting. Uh, uh, San Antonio, Glendale, uh, San Diego, Anaheim, Houston, Miami, Atlanta, uh, Jacksonville, uh, New Orleans, and Knoxville. Looks like the triple threat is a little bit smaller of a group of people. And uh, let's see what the Arena Championship Series is. Uh, oh, Albany, New York is coming up here. Uh, yeah, they have like a, a different uh, a Scooby-Doo. There's a Scooby-Doo one. Bad News Travels Fast. Monster Mutt. Uh, uh, pretty Wicked. Uh, Forest Friend. Barbarian, uh, Ditch Digger, Albany, Hampton. This is like the fish tour. It really, the fish went from Albany, Hampton. So does uh, Monster Jam. And then they go on from there, uh, touring around. So, yeah, that's a little bit about it. Let's look up, uh, like, just what Wikipedia says about Monster Trucks. Oh, that's still Monster Jam. Excuse me. They're very good at getting me to click more about uh, who's selling tickets for them. A monster truck is a pickup truck with a larger suspension, larger tires, usually for recreational uses. Uh, uh, sometimes pickup trucks are used. However, SUV bodies are and theme trucks, uh, uh, and they're made of fiberglass. Uh, they could be from car bodies, SUV bodies, uh, even animal-themed bodies. Uh, competition monster trucks should meet guidelines 12 feet tall, 12 feet wide, and as of uh, 2015, uh, have uh, 462-pound, 66-inch off-road tires. Uh, and they're popular. The shows typically have two main events, a race and a freestyle competition. Races are a single elimination tournament on two short symmetrical dirt tracks. Uh, and uh, they jump over to cars, of course. In freestyles, uh, they do, uh, you know, go like they, it's a freestyle show. Backups, wheelies, jumps, stunts, donuts. Uh, so it's a little bit about it. Uh, it's a history has been since the 70s. Uh, and I think it got bigger and bigger, uh, maybe in the 80s and the 90s. So that's a little bit about monster trucks uh, or friend trucks. Uh, uh, Here's a little bit about virtual reality. Uh, This is from vrs.org.uk. Just a history of it. Uh, 
you know, it started with uh, panoramic paintings. Then you had stereoscopic photos and viewers, including the Viewmaster in 1939. But the stereoscope was in 1838. Uh, and then the 1929, the Link Trainer, which was a flight simulator. Uh, then science fiction, uh, predicted VR in the 30s. Uh, then Sensorama in the 50s, which was an arcade theater cabinet with... Uh, all the senses, uh, 3D fan, smell generators, vibrating chair. So that sounds pretty cool. Then the 60s had the first uh, head-mounted VR. And they just kept uh, doing uh, iterations on it uh, over the years. Uh, 1987, the name Virtual Reality was born. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jason Lanier uh, coined the term. Uh, then uh, 91 started arc- arcade games. 92, Lawnmower Man uh, was a movie. Uh, Sega had VR in 93. Game Virtual Nintendo in 95. Matrix in 99. So just a little bit about the history of VR there. Okay, here's something that came up with like uh, uh, Pillboy and uh, uh, Donkey Dog both had like uh, Capri's on. Like long shorts or capris. And I said, what's the difference between capris, culottes, and cropped? Uh, this is from Stitch Fix Style blog. I just wanted to get it straight. Uh, capris are a traditional style pant with an inseam, inseam that goes to mid to lower calf length. Uh, so uh, yeah, cropped is a hemline that stops at your ankles. Uh, and uh, then culottes can be varying in length from mid-calf to the ankle, a wider silhouette, though, uh, and a breezy piece, uh, and good for rising temperatures in the summertime. So I'm glad they cleared, they cleared that up for me totally. What about Florida Route 970? They got me- oh, they had a sign in uh, Pil- uh, Donkey Dog's apartment. It's actually from Miami, State Route 970, the downtown distributor. It's elevated freeway. It's only a half mile connecting 95 and Biscayne Boulevard in downtown Miami. And uh, co-signs with U.S. Route 1, U.S. 1, State Route 5. It existed since 1968. Uh, it's an average daily traffic volume of 34,000 in 20, 2007 and 37,500 in 2015. Uh, that made me think about uh, Florida State Route A1A, which I think was like Beachfront Avenue in a song. It, that's a north-south Florida State Road, State Route A1A, SRA1A. It runs uh, along the Atlantic Ocean from Key West at the southern tip uh, to Fernandina Beach, uh, just south of Georgia. So it is Beachfront Avenue. Uh, it's designated part of it, the A1A Scenic and Historical Coastal Byway, a national scenic byway. Uh, so check it out. Uh, it's, it looks like it has a lot of uh, beautiful views. Uh, it's heavily associated with Florida beach culture and known for its lush tropical and subtropical scenery and ocean vistas. In uh, many places, it runs directly along the waterfront of the Atlantic Ocean. In other places, uh, one to five blocks inland from the beachfront. It's also been known as the backbone of uh, 
uh, Florida Spring Break uh, in Fort Lauderdale and Daytona Beach. So maybe you've kicked it on A1A Beachfront Avenue. Uh, maybe you've kicked, you know, kicked it with the ice, the ice ice baby person. Let's see what else we have here. Shark Tank is a TV show that I've only watched on airplanes. And it's a TV, reality TV show. It's been around since 2009 on ABC. It's a franchise of the international format Dragon's Den, which started in Japan in 2001. It has aspiring entrepreneurs as they make a business presentation of five investors who choose whether or not to invest as partners. It's been a rating success, won the primetime Emmy uh, for Structured Reality Program four times in that category, and then uh, four times, uh, oh no, twenty twice for Outstanding Reality Program. Tenth season, started his tenth season in 2018, produced by Mark Burnett, uh, and uh, similar to the Japanese and British versions, uh, panel, uh, there's Robert, there's Kevin, uh, who had previously had been on the Canadian version, Barbara, uh, Damon, uh, Lori, Mark, and Kevin, uh, so two Kevins. You know, they sometimes, you know, they try to be nice. Sometimes they don't. Uh, they make deals. You know, now it's even a marketing term you'll see. Yeah, let's see if I can find any other stats here. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's uh, when I watch on the thing, I, I, oh, wow, there's been Charles Barkley's been on it. Uh, Prasaka. Uh, it's interesting. Jeff Foxworthy. So, uh those are in early seasons. Let's see this season. A-Rod, Bethany Frankel, Sarah Blakely, Charles Barkley, Matt Higgins. So it's a popular show. Uh, and uh, it would be hilarious if I was on there. They'd say, I'm sorry, what? Uh, and they'd say $10 billion, please, uh, for, for one. You know, I don't want to be told what to do. So very small percentage. Okay, what is what about uh, Lenny Kravitz? That's the last thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, who's uh, entertained multiple generations of people in multiple different ways? Uh, and I'd say, hey, are you going to go my way or what? Uh, Lenny Kravitz, uh, born Leonard Albert Kravitz uh, in '64. You know, I know him as Zoe's dad. Yeah, but some people know him as uh, Lenny. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not. I'm not kidding, but. Uh, yeah, he won the Grammy uh, four years in a row for best male rock vocal performance uh, from '99 to 2002, and he played Cinna in uh, Hunger Games. Uh, that's what I was saying. He's uh, really uh, he's born in Manhattan. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Yeah, uh, started playing music '89 and '90 was uh, the debut. On Virgin Records. Oh, he worked with uh, Carl Denson. That's cool. Uh, let's see. So, you know, Let Love Rule was a debut album in 89. Uh, rock and funk with a 60s vibe. Critics were mixed. Uh, Lisa Bonet uh, directed a music video for Let Love Rule. Uh then he was opening for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Bob Dylan, and David Bowie. Holy mackerel. Uh, uh, let's see what else. Uh, 91, uh, he produced the song Justify My... What? Justify My Love for Madonna. 
which was on the Immaculate Collection. Let's see. So then, uh, you know, it was a really great career musically, ongoing career. And uh, let's see, then uh, all the way through the, the aughts, uh, the 90s aughts, uh, early 10s, he was working with U2. Uh, then he became, you know, joined up with the Hunger Games cast, which is really a great, uh, uh, great performance in the Hunger Games. I really enjoyed it. it was a great casting, great, very good acting, great costumes, of course. He is a costumer or a stylist. Uh, and 2014, the 10th album, Strut, came out on Roxy Records. Uh, let's see. Uh, 2014, I know, oh, he, he was with Katy Perry in the 2015 Super Bowl halftime show. And yeah, continues to, to just, just rock it. Uh, also is always dead. So, I mean, that's cool. Uh, so yeah, that's a little bit about Lenny Kravitz and, uh, here you go. Let me tuck in a little bit more. Uh, good night. Good night from, uh, me and, and all this other stuff. Uh, and here's some thank yous. I want to thank everybody if you reviewed the show over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, uh, Union JAX54 from Australia says, Is there anything beyond the intro? Can't get past the introduction. Five stars. Uh, our rain. It must be a brain pop because it says beep a boop. Uh, five stars for better sleeping. Uh, Cindy, Cindy B says, Best sleep of my life. Uh, not actually sure how he does this, but uh, as a lifelong insomniac, I can now sleep all night. Dream come true. Uh, Alexis Michelle says, uh, Serenity, five stars. Uh, every ounce anxiety comes out when he says, Hey, every night, uh, and my head hits a pillow. I haven't been sleeping this well. For, I haven't been sleeping well for years, but this podcast has uh, eased my thoughts, and I can usually fall asleep in 15 minutes. So grateful. Uh, hopefully, if you enjoy this as much as I do, you can become a patron so we can keep falling asleep filled with a sense of calm and comfort. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, thank you. Here, this comes from Australia. Let's just hug. Uh, first time listener, and it was amazing. Uh, usually sleep with my husband and I go to bed while he sits on the computer and watches a movie. So I always have sounds or noise down to fall asleep. I'm 22, but still, you know, not totally comfortable in the deep, dark night. Uh, I stayed over at a friend's house while sleeping in a room, and it was too quiet. Uh, I listened to one episode, uh, fell asleep once, and I was comfortable to turn down the volume. Uh, I could only just hear the audio. Amazing. I plan to use this podcast whenever I'm struggling to sleep in uh, the dark and silent. Uh, Rhea Peach, who I've met in person in Seattle. Uh, uh, so shout out to Rhea and her mom. And her mom. Uh, the only thing that helps me sleep, uh, this is the one that puts me to sleep. I put it on, it does off almost instantly. Uh, Gernon, Gernon Spain says, uh, from Ireland, uh, says, stops my brain buzzing. Love this podcast. Listen to it a lot. Before I started, I would have trouble sleeping because, you know, I got a lot going on in my head. And my brain was buzzing. Now I turn on the podcast, listen to Scooter, ramble through some stories, and I drift off without a problem. Uh, give it a try. Uh, a prescription Esquire says, I tried it out. Uh, yeah, he did fall asleep faster than normal. I thought the stories were fun and the guy was nice, but I was really, I was into the story. Introduction took forever. I found better ones, uh, but it did increase uh, the time I fell asleep. That was four stars. This one's from three stars from Mary from Australia. 
This more sounds like a one-star review, though. So stop the stuttering and slurring. Uh, there's a croakiness to your voice that doesn't let me sleep. Uh, it's coming for a bit, and then I don't like it. Uh, please try and another. Sorry, that's a bit petty. Uh, enunciate your words a little more, and then it'll be great. Uh, Steph from New Zealand says, go to sleep with a friend. Uh, I feel like I go to sleep quite quickly, but usually with my head still full of work, and so I end up waking up in the night. This happens to me a lot, Steph, uh, too. Listening to Scooter takes me away from my work, gives me a laugh, and sends me off to sleep with a smile. I hardly, hardly ever make it to, through the, to the story. Sleep right through it. So thank you for that, Steph. Uh, yeah, Ben Buff says, decades-long insomnia just disappeared. Uh, always had trouble sleeping through the night. Would often spend a couple hours. This podcast has changed that. I still wake up, and I put on an episode. I'm back to sleep before long. Now part of my routine. I'm grateful to have found it. Rico Suave, but Rico like the camera brand, uh, says it's a company that you don't need to entertain. Uh, it's like somebody having a relaxing conversation that you don't have to respond to and you won't feel bad falling asleep on. Amazing. Thank you, Rico Suave. But well, people are really getting creative here. Uh, Shay Kreth uh, says Sleeping Magic. Uh, Podcast has made it easy for me to fall asleep, but both me and my wife love it. Uh, I have a lot of, uh, you know, anxious stuff, uh, droning voice, gentle cadence, rambling through stories and tangents, ultimate immediate sleep. Uh, thank you. Oh, they also couple it with white noise uh, or thunderstorms or wind. They do some layered noises too. Uh, Lawrence of Australia says, uh, I enjoy, yes, it's very effective. Uh, enjoy rolling with it. Your mind will tumble, engage before the nodding off. Sleep happens. Uh, pleasantly forgettable, rusty, dulcet tones of wonder. Here's a cat who dialed in. Thomas P. Kitten. Ah. I guess the antidote to my late night anxiety. The more I listen to these creaky dulcet tones, the faster I relax and fall asleep. Drew, thank you for your creativity. Creativity. Uh, your, your hilarious sense of humor and for uh, getting up off the couch. Help the scooter side of you put together your wonderful shows as a service. Thanks, uh, Thomas P. And finally, grateful to Scoots. This comes from Aaron Acre, Aaron Acre, from 1995. Uh, overactive mind, also have trouble getting to sleep, uh, transitioning to sleepy time activities. It's been that way since I was a kid. I uh, heard about this show from MFM. Now skeptical, but at first, but it was a huge help in getting to sleep. Uh, thank you. Uh, so thank you. Thank you, everybody out there. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, Sleeping Me is part of Night Vale Presents. Uh, you can check out all the amazing shows over at nightvalepresents.com. Uh, we're also a member of PRX. You can see everything they're doing over at prx.org. And we're listener-supported by direct listener-support of uh, the show on Patreon and the sponsors. Uh, and uh, we grow by people spreading the word. Uh, so thank you to all of you that do that. You can find out about that kind of stuff over our website, sleepingmepodcast.com. And I'm here to help you uh, fall asleep or to keep you company. So let me tuck you in a little bit more there. And I'm swirl. We're swirl I, I don't know why the word swirly cue just came in my head, but, uh, you know, cue up another episode. I'll be here. Maybe that'll be the uh, intro that I talk about swirly cues if I do. Or sw- sw- swirly sue. Uh, who was at Peggy Sue's wedding? She was a uh, bridesmaid. Uh, good night. All right, everybody, uh, we're talking about episode, I think it's eight, uh, 
Yeah, I think it's eight. It's seven. The seventh episode to to come out, but the first one was a two parter, so it's technically episode eight, or it's episode nine, or it's episode seven. Uh, because I, you know, I'm not good with that kind of stuff. But it opens in uh, a library, which is a familiar place for me since I worked in a library for some time, and to spend some time in. Uh, it was, it was Tostitos Presents, a public library brought to you by GoDaddy. And it seems to be in Arizona because the cars in the parking lot have uh, Arizona license plates. Uh, uh, Michael and Eleanor are in, in the library talking. They're in the poetry section. The only book there for poetry book is a Jeff Foxworthy's uh, uh, book, Roses Are Red and So Is My Neck. Uh, so we'll cover that. I also cover, try to look up a Dewey Decimal System for poetry. Uh, a couple things on the like sign. We see a sign that says RJ61 and SF439. I didn't look up what those were. Uh, Janice Many Gizmos or Janice Memory Gizmo. Uh, Michael has a tote bag from Coyote Joe's. Uh, I can't read the bottom writing on that, though. He says things like, take my word for it, uh, but Eleanor says, I need to see it for myself. Uh, those are my memories, and I want them back. Another little inside joke on the wall was a sign with a whale jumping, one of those inspirational signs, but it said gratitude instead of gratitude. I think G-R-A-T-A-Dude with a whale jumping, but I couldn't see the uh, quote underneath it. Uh, Barnum paper, oh, banana paper towel, uh, towels in a bowl Michael puts down on the library table. If they didn't shoot that in the library, it is a great, uh, really great uh, set uh, dressing. Holy mackerel. Because, I mean, I'm not kidding. I work in a few different libraries in the past, and uh, the chairs and the table, is, I, I salute them. Is spot on. Yeah, Eleanor gets a three-second movie, uh, a three-second memory trip, uh, and uh, we see that whatever version of The Good Place, whatever reboot she's in, it's uh, one. Of, it's a satay, uh, like a kebab, because uh, it's one of the stores, it's a satay night fever, S-A-T-A-Y. So it's a satay reboot. Uh, is that the sauce or the, or the style of cooking? I think that's the peanut sauce. So I don't know if it was a kebab reboot or it's just a satay. satay. And I'm probably not saying that correctly. Vicky and uh, something. Who's that other person? Uh, sorry, I'm reading my writing, not watching the show. It was Bamba John. And uh, they say, but bonjour, bonjourno. And Eleanor says dweebs. Then there's a big payoff, uh, and the episode opens to chapter 34. Uh, after the open, this looks like it says Walder, like it's in Sir Walder Frey. Uh, but I don't think it does. Uh, though Eleanor says, do I look H-O-T bald? And then I, suddenly I'm saying, hmm, no offense, but you do you did look a bit like Walder Frey, maybe, maybe not, maybe that uh, that's not what my notes say. I think that's my short longhand for Eleanor. Michael says no, you did not pull that off. Uh, 
And he said, after that short clip, clip we've rewired your brain, uh, like inoculated it, so we can do another reboot of full memory. Reboot 117 or 119. Uh, and Michael says, all you do is sleep and chew, you humans, a lot of the times. Uh, then we have Eleanor with the basic writings of Nietzsche, talking about free will, moving on from free will and determinism. A little foreshadowing. What does that say? Done. Oh, free will versus determinism. Done. Oh, we're done with Nietzsche. Uh, Eleanor corrects several hilarious stuff about it. There's a mention of Thomas Aquinas. Uh, Chidi sneezes and Eleanor, hand, without saying anything, she hands him a tissue. Which reminded me of this, the one scene I remember from this movie from the 90s called Singles, which was known... More for its grunge soundtrack uh, than the content of the movie, I believe. Uh, I believe the movie was based on, like, Cam and Crow's reporting of Pearl Jam, like a fictionalized version of that. I'm not even positive. I'm just making that up. But uh, um, it is a Cam and Crow movie. Uh, but it, it just reminded me of the scene from that movie that I barely remember. So we'll talk about that later. The tissue for the sneeze. What are you grinning at? Now, this scene I didn't pay attention for. I'm behind, but the scene in the show, Eleanor's petting her pet with one finger uh, while Chidi walks and paces behind her talking, uh, debating on what pet he's going to have. Young and unaccomplished. Then they go to the good place kind of theme in the good, original good place neighborhood from season one. It's pick a pet day. Michael says, my favorite residence, hardy har har, don't tell anyone. Then there's a mention of Siamese cats, uh, Glenn, uh, not Glenn, Barbara Streisand maybe gave uh, Tahani a Siamese cats, uh, mythical pets, penguins, and uh, Jason. Uh, Chidi can't choose between two very cute puppies. Uh, what does that say? Oh, laser, but it's not laser. It's lasered. Rhymes almost with lasered, but it's a pet that Eleanor gets. Uh, then there's a sign that says, uh, ask about the mirror centaur. So then Tahani asks, she says, Michael, tell me about the mirror centaur. And that ends up, it's going to be, I don't know if you could have a sentient, fully sentient pet, but it's Tahania, the goddess of beauty. Or something, and uh, so that ends up being Tahani's uh, pet is a mirror centaur. Uh, Chidi gets an owl. He ends up having issues with his owl later. Eleanor helps him. And anyway, they're going back and forth, uh, sharing a moment. Right now it's on screen, and a smiling moment. Michael pulls Eleanor's earplugs out. And she, Eleanor says, what are you doing? I was watching myself fall in love in fake heaven. I want to get back to it. Uh, and right now they're talking, Michael's, I think Michael's tie has stars on it. He has a regular old, like, whatever you call it, a Bradford tie. I don't know. That's what I'd call it. A Windsor tie, the kind of tie you put in a Windsor knot. We call it a Bradford tie. I mean, yeah, but let's see, there's doing a slow zoom on. Uh, Eleanor puts the earplugs back in. Probably a cut for a commercial. Then we come back and there's a there's a giant magenta peacock at the start of the scene. It's absolutely mesmerizing uh, after that break. Uh, deep, deep magenta or hot pink, maybe. 
Where's my notes here? Where's the pink? Uh, giant magenta peacock. Good plates. So the version... We're, we're in the good plates version of the good place. Uh, uh, Tahani mentions uh, to combination skin. Uh, Eleanor wants to ride Tahani's mirror centaur. And really uh, some great... Uh, Great performance here is Tahanya comes and uh, Tahani's making a bunch of faces, reacting to to, to the different pets. Really watching it. Uh, holy mackerel! It's good, good stuff. Uh, can I ride your withering stare? Uh, she also mentions the horse ballets. I guess her and Camilla would have with their horses. Uh, Michael's back in his good place 1.0 out. You know bow ties and stuff. Uh, Tahanya has a wreath uh, over her head. Uh, she's you just you gotta watch this. Have I mean you gotta watch the season. Uh, Tahanya, Tahani's face. Uh, oh, we get to Michael says you get to transform into your pets at a party. Oh, Jason, we see Jason's penguin has Bortles jersey on, and this is really there's a lot of really fast uh, quick jokes. You got to be watching for this stuff. Uh, there's a li- like a laser search, but not for for Eleanor's laser. Lasered. Yeah, she has a lasered. Uh, they search for that. Then we realize, okay, it is the kebab universe because uh, we see the kebab patch in. But at first, that's what I thought. It was kebab patch in. And this is kebab patch kids. Also, FYI, if you're big, uh, you, if you're near Universal Studios or you used to watch that show, uh, uh, Big Farm Forces, uh, she wrote. I think that place was called like Colbyville or something. That's where this is shot. And also a fish friend. Uh, so if you go on the Universal Studios tour, uh, this was part of it. Uh, and that's how good, you know, would you say, Scooch, you, your memory is like a steel trap and only very unique. And I say, yeah, if you, uh, the Universal Studios tour is one thing I remember because I fantasize about sitting right where, uh, Eleanor and Chidi are just waving at the passing trams. Uh, let's see, though. Where are we? Love is stronger. They kiss, so they share. They have their first kiss. They're drinking Chemex coffee. Uh, then they kind of go back and forth like a debate. Uh, like we see that they're in love. Uh, Eleanor says, Show me. Love is stronger. Uh, Michael, oh, then we go all the way back. Because uh, Michael's trying to argue that love is stronger, I think. And Eleanor's trying to talk about determinism now. So we go all the way back uh, to Michael back in version 1.0. Oh, with Eleanor and Cheedy. He's got just, his tie is off the charts. He has a, like a two, nice suit. It's like a two-tone, it's a dark navy tie with these dots or circles or polka dots that are two-tone blue with a pink center. Uh, so I don't know if you classify those as polka dots or circles. Uh, he mentions a French cuff shirt. Uh, really, it was just you. We talk about, at first I thought it was predeterminism, but we realized it's determinism. Uh, then this is the debate between Ellen or Michael about there's no such thing as free will. Michael wants to prove, so there's this whole uh, undercurrent, this philosophical undercurrent we're being, we're being learned, we're learning maybe, or, you know, some of you are learning that are paying attention. 
first round, Eleanor's pro- the problem is me. Uh, cliffhanger. Okay, so this is the first round. No reboot. This is pre-reboot. This is Eleanor 1.0. Well, 2.0, like uh, Eleanor Big Farm, Good Place 1.0. Uh, which what was the food in 1.0 was it was a pizza or what uh i can't i honestly can't remember uh the good plates i can't remember what the other places sold maybe it was wasn't there one with uh with a medieval theme i think it was oh oh uh saw uh what is that frozen yogurt it was the frozen yogurt edition uh, first round, you know, Eleanor says the problem is me. That's when she stands up, uh, that cliffhanger. And Michael says, see, you stood up for cheating. Yeah, so, and Eleanor says, no, 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 you forced us. Uh, don't you get what determinism is? Uh, then I put a star here. So do yourself a favor and watch this because it's reboot 44-4, 444 yeah, they jump to Cheaties in a purple space bubble. It is uh, unbelievable. Hopefully, they revisit it because Michael says you got to see it. Uh, maybe next season. And he says, "Oh no, let's go to four, four, five. Uh, at this point, Michael seems exasperated. Oh, wait a second. So Eleanor's reading a book that I couldn't catch last time: F- Philosophy for Ding Dongs for Morons. Uh, uh, she's the book she's reading. I tried to see, I couldn't see it the other one. I guess it wasn't close enough, but, uh, so that's funny. Um, let's see. She says, no, you forced us. So then we go to reboot four, four, five. Uh, my, that's when Michael's exasperated. His coat's on his chair and, uh, his tie's untied. Dictionary of Scientific Biography is another book behind Eleanor. They're in the reference section. And normally that's like where somebody can keep an eye on you. Yeah, but they're in the regular stacks. Uh, let's see. So, uh, where are we? We got to do this one reboot. Uh, they they go to a diner. Uh, this is when, uh, okay, so they do the one reboot. Uh, there's the space bubble. Okay, so here's Michael Warren out. There's scramble papers on his chair. He, he So he brings up this great thing. There's a... Uh, I tried to write it all down, and I said, why don't I just pause it and read it? Uh, yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. But he had, like, crumbled up papers, crumbled up papers, blueprints. Uh, but he brings up this, you know, uh, virtual computer screen. And I didn't read all this, so Sophia was reading it with me. So I don't know how much we'll find out. But it has uh, a circle at the center with Eleanor Shellstrap uh, and then a link to four other circles. And one is uh, the top left, uh, if you're looking at it, uh, is a Bad Memories. And it says, Summer Camp GI Issues, Lifetime Ban from the Post Office, uh, Hair Pullings, Her. Uh, smaller than that is Hair Pulling Others, uh, Ambient Hamster mishap, mishap. Uh Then on the bottom left is Enemies, uh, Rihanna's Bodyguard, uh, Barefoot Contessa, No One-Sided. Uh, various Rite Aid employees, Princess, Princess Jasmine, note one-sided fictional, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, note one-sided from his side, uh, family is a top right circle, it says mom's date with Anthony Kiedis, a celebrity lookalike, uh, 
In maternity ward, mother introduced her to nurse as my little sister. Uh, Dad forgot birthday, changed the birth certificate so he wasn't wrong. Uh, Dad arguing with the Arizona State University Financial Aid Office. Uh, Mom once made mac and cheese with wine instead of milk. Uh, And then bottom right is S-H-A-M-E-S is... uh, uh, Mr. Peanut Tattoo, Spotify Playlist, Forgetting Brad, uh, Love of Bare Naked Ladies, uh, Problematic Halloween Costumes, Attraction uh, to Sam the Eagle, Shrimp Farts, in quotes, uh, can't remember how to spell calendar, which is maybe misspelled, I can't spell it, no matter how many times she learns. And then Michael could even cycle through. On, there's an arrow to the left screen that doesn't exist, say fears and anxieties, into a right screen that doesn't exist that says teen years. So pretty funny and really, uh, you know, just like some of these other stuff that comes up. Uh, then they talk about, they pay off the Sam the Eagle thing a few times. Uh, and then Eleanor says, wait a second, who are you? And then she points to the D- Doug Forsett painting who is this guy? Uh, then she says, am I in the big farm? And then she goes, is Sam the Eagle here? Uh, then they're back discussing things at this diner in Arizona. And uh, Michael d- d- drops some iced tea on Eleanor. Uh, and they say, you can't be vulnerable. You're using determinism. Who even cares? Uh, and this is really when you get to the, the heart of the matter for real. Uh, this is a super heartfelt, uh, this next four minutes or something, really, really excellent, excellent. Uh, I don't know how they do it without being, uh, you think it's just carried on the, the acting and the writing and the directing and the scene and the crew and the sound, you know, and the, co- you know, everything. Because uh, it is no, like, uh, schm- is that what Schmaltz said? Uh, like, there isn't any. Uh, they say, Michael says, I do. I want to believe it matters. Uh, he talks about how picking your friends up at the airport, which they have to do, is, could be the considered the worst possible use of free will. I would say helping someone move, probably. But uh, picking people up at the airport or bringing them to the airport for early flight is not far off. Uh, yeah, but he says, that's what I'm going to do. And Eleanor kind of gets it at first. Then we see the Soul Squad at the airport parking. Jason's happy about taking a first-class flight. Then they're at the back of the car. Eleanor apologizes to Michael. Uh, She talks about her use of the blame hose. uh, uh, And then she says, uh, wait a second. What if we're the only truly free beings because we know how things work? And she says, if that's the case, we need to be bold and take the Soul Squad to the next level. And Michael totally agrees. He says, uh, we need to find someone who could be a blueprint for humanity. And Eleanor says, Rihanna? Totally. And he says, no, no, I got something else uh, cooler than Rihanna. And he says, let's go to uh, uh, rural Canada. Then we cut to a final closing scene, which is like uh, the the, um, underworld, whatever, like a lab. uh, And our friend Glenn is working on a reddish colored portal. Uh, There's someone in a chrysalis. Sean is there. uh, 
The other person that worked in the upper office is like uh, who's there, and I don't know. Uh, he takes Vicky out of the crystal and says, go through this makeshift portal. Uh, what is it? It's a legal do- door to earth. Uh, and it works. Uh, then Sean uh, comes through. Uh, people come through. Then Glenn sticks his head through and says, well, like, because uh, Sean's taking the credit, kind of. And he says, we all helped. Uh, he says, shut up, Glenn. And the episode comes to a close. Uh, but yeah, let's run through, let's see. Okay. Yeah. So let's run through some of the stuff that came up. Jeff Foxworthy was on this episode. And what does it say about Jeff Foxworthy? Uh, American stand-up community. Oh, oh, here's the thing. Larry the Cable Guy and Jeff Foxworthy are different people. Uh, like, uh. He's known for you might be a redneck one-liners. Six, I was just kind of kidding, but I think they do get confused uh, uh, for like a little bit, uh, just depending on how big a fan you are. Not that there's anything wrong with being a fan. He's got six albums, three or uh, two of them are three times platinum. He's got a bunch of books, uh, an autobiography, no shoe, shirt, no shoes, no problem. He, he's had his own sitcom. I'm sure he's a big sponsor. Blue Collar TV with Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Uh, Foxworthy Countdown. Let's see. What is career? Let's just uh, In 1993, that's when you might be a redneck if uh, hit the charts. And, uh, you know, it was only, like, slow growth, in it, but he's managed to, like, grow and keep going. He uh, was comedy cent- roasted by Comedy Central in 2005. He uh, was on Space Coast, Coast to Coast. He was trying to explain, that would be funny, the redneck joke. Uh, and uh, so that uh, sounds fun- funny. Um, let's see what else. The blue-collar comedy. Uh, that was in the early 2000s, so that maybe was launched Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, biography we talked about. Uh, uh, also has a redneck dictionary, 1, 2, and 3. Uh, he wrote a children's book in 2008 and 9 and 10. Uh, how to Really Stink at Golf. Uh, so a lot of stuff he just got just went on the national radio show, uh, outdoor stuff. Uh, so he's a busy guy, really popular. And uh, obviously, I think his name came up last. I think it came up last week too, because I had to look it up. Uh, what about the Dewey Decimal System in poetry? Right, because I know you were wondering about that. This is from penandthepad.com. Uh, Keila Hellstrom uh, from March 23rd, 2017, How to Classify Poetry in the Dewey Decimal System. As you may or may not know, Dewey Decimal System is an international coding system used to arrange uh, library materials in libraries. It classifies materials into 10 major disciplines and then divides them by 100 subtopics. And then materials are classified by a call number, which is used to find the book or materials within the library. And it has uh, four components, a size de- designation, a Dewey Decimal number, a cutter mo- number, and a work mark. Uh, uh, poetry is, is, is assigned to the, the topic of literature. 
materials classified as literature are in Dewey Decimal Class 800. Uh, now it says review an expanded list of the Dewey classes for 800 and identify which class applies to the book of poetry you're classifying. Use decimals to further distinguish the book. Is it English poetry? 821. French poetry? 841. Uh, classical Greek? 881. Uh, and on and on and on. Uh, then you can keep it going down. But uh, So that's a little bit. So I said, let's see. Let's look up some Dewey Decimal numbers. Uh, so this is from bpac.com. Uh, Dewey Decimal Classification 800. So 800 is literature and rhetoric. Uh, 801 is philosophy and theory. 802, miscellany. Uh, 803, dictionaries and encyclopedias. 804, unlabeled. Uh, on this list, I, you know, I worked in a library once. Uh, 805, serial publications. 806, organizations. Oh, so this is generalities, 800. Uh, 807, Educational, Research, and Related. 808, Rhetoric uh, and Collections. 809, Literary History and Criticism. 810 is American and Canadian Literature. 811 is Poetry, I think, within that uh, context. 812 is Drama. 813, and on and on. 820 is English and Old English Literatures. And I think this is probably like a Western-focused... you know, so maybe we're ready for a re- reinvention of Dewey Decimal. E30 is Germanic and German languages. E40, French literatures. Uh, E50, Italian, Romanian literatures. Uh, E60, Spanish and Portuguese literatures. Uh, E70, Italic literatures, Latin. Uh, 680 Hellenic, uh, Hellenic uh, literatures, classical Greek, and 890, oh, our egos in the West here, oh, 890s, everybody else, uh, so this is a little bit about Dewey Decimal, uh, what about Thomas Aquinas, or as Eleanor said, Tommy Quine Quine, which cracked me up. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, uh, Italian Dominican friar, Catholic priest, and doctor of the church, uh, also a philosopher, theologian, jurist, uh, in the tradition of scholasticism. Uh, the name Aquinas identifies his ancestral origins in the county of Aquino in present-day Lazio. Uh, he was foremost, according this is according to Wikipedia, a, a proponent of natural theology in Tom T H T H O M Thomism, which argued that reason is found in God. Uh, his influence on Western thought is considerable. Much modern philosophy developed or opposed his ideas, particularly in ethics, natural law, metaphysics, and political theory. Uh, Thomas did embrace the several ideas put forward by Aristotle, who he called the philosopher. And he attempted to synthesize Aristotelian philosophy with Christianity. His best-known works are uh, uh, Disputed Questions on Truth, uh, 1256, that came out. Uh, Summa Con Gentiles, uh, Summa Theologiae. Uh, he's got commentaries. He's praised for his Eucharistic hymns. 
uh, Catholic Church uh, honors Aquinas as a saint and regards him as a model teacher for those studying for the priesthood. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, early life, uh, you know, he was a kid once. Uh, uh, then there's a lot, a lot here. He's he lived around the world. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, final days. Uh, it's twelve seventy four. Uh, twelve seventy four. So there's a lot. I mean, he's almost too much. Uh, I'm just trying to see commentaries and i was trying to see oh here's ethics uh uh concept of first principles of action maybe that's what chidi's going to teach teach about a virtue denotes a certain perfection of a power now things perfection is considered chiefly in regard to its end but the end of power is act wherefore power is said to be perfect uh, according as it is determinate to its act uh, all acts of virtue are prescribed by natural law, since each one's reason naturally dictates them to act virtuously. Oh boy, we could. But if we speak of virtuous acts considered in themselves, uh, thus not all virtuous acts are prescribed by natural law. For many things are done virtuously to which the nature does not incline at first, but that through inquiry of reason has been found uh, to be conducive to well living. Therefore, we must determine if we are speaking of virtuous acts, it's under the aspect of virtuous or is an act in its species. Uh, big on four, cardinal virtues, prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. Uh, and then three theological virtues, of faith, hope, and charity. So a little bit about Tommy Quine Quine. You could read a lot more in the link in the show notes. Uh, what about this movie, Singles? Uh, it came out all the way in 1992. And uh, I clicked the wrong button. Oh, here it is. It's American Romantic Comedy, directed by Cameron Crowe and written and co-produced. Uh, it starred Bridget Fonda, Campbell Scott, Kira Sedg- Sedgwick, and Matt Dillon. And it was a moderate box office success, positive uh, reviews from critics, uh, this was back back when Gen X was the thing, man. Uh, they were in Seattle during the '90s grunge phenomenon, all about everybody living in one apartment block, uh, which advertises singles for rent, single bedroom apartments. Uh, the film's divided into chapters that focus on the course of uh, two couples' romances. It revolves around uh, Janet and Cliff, uh, a waitress and an expiring musician. Uh, whose band Citizen Dick, which has uh, members from Pearl Jam, real-life Pearl Jam, and then Linda and Steve, uh, who are trying to decide if they should be together, uh, Debbie. So this is definitely like a 90s sensibility. It feels like 50s sensibility a little bit. Uh, but it's sentenced to set against the backdrop of the grunge movement. Uh, and let's see if we can find anything else. Uh, I thought it was like Campbell Scott's character liked uh, Bridget Fonda's character, and she sneezes. Oh, Paul Westerberg did a lot of the music. That's that's probably why I remember it the most. Uh, I was like, who? Okay, yeah, I mean, there's other grunge songs on there. And Paul, Paul, but, but, but I said, oh, wait, is that's the thing. But, but uh, let's see, uh, Bill Pullman's in it, too. Uh, 
But I hope Tom Skerritt, holy cow, Jeremy Piven, Eric Stoltz is a mime in it, Tim Burton. Uh, yeah, so, um, but I could have sworn, okay, so what happened that I, and this isn't a good knock on the movie, uh, but it's one thing I remember, I guess, other than Paul Westerberg, which I forgot, is uh, that at some point, Bridget Fonda's character sneezes. And I saw Cameron or Camel Scott's character was attracted to her and like, uh, was like, she was like, oh, I was hoping for this. She's kind of like a hopeless romantic, but drawn to Matt Dillon's character. And he says, hey, but wipe your nose or something. Uh, I guess that's what I remember about it. And, and then uh, I guess, I, but, but it just reminded me of that scene. So that's a bit of a rabbit hole, you know. Okay, what about Siamese cats? They're one of the first to distinctly recognize breeds of cats. Uh, they're d- derived uh, from a uh, species of cat and native to Thailand, uh, formerly known as Siam. And they became one of the more popular breeds in the 19th century in Europe and North America. It's characterized uh, by triangular head shape, large ears, along, the fact that Georgia has a few of them uh, from MFM elongated, slender, muscular body, uh, point coloration. It bears a little resemblance to the original stock. Uh, the International Cat Association describes modern Siamese as affectionate, social, intelligent, and playful into adulthood, often enjoying a game of fetch. They tend to seek human interaction and also like companionship from other cats. Uh, what else do we need to know? The pointed cat, known in the West as Siamese, is recognized for its distinctive markings. Let's see. In 1878, U.S. President Rutherford B. Hayes, uh, that, was some, that was somebody that was president of the United States, apparently. Uh, could you see I was educated in the United States? Uh, uh, no, I've heard of Rutherford B. Hayes. I thought he was, like, uh, founded, uh, like, one of the failed competitors to J.C. Penney's, but... Uh, he was the first documented Siamese. To, he received the first Siamese cat accordingly. It was sent by the American Council in Bangkok, 1884. Uh, then someone else brought in. Uh, oh, and Ma- Mia. Uh, let's see, it was 1858. They were somewhere at London's Crystal Palace show. Uh, they're compared to the British Shorthair. A traditional, we kind of talked about traditional versus modern. Uh, really cute cats, uh, and uh, pointed pattern. Oh, it has this for, is a form of partial albinism. Albinism, albinism, right? I'm saying that correctly. Uh, let's see, that's where the darker colorations in the coolest part of the cat's body, uh, excluding including the extremities and face. Uh, which is cooled by a passage of air through the sinuses. Uh, what else? Anything else we need to temper it? We, we kind of talked about that. Uh, here's some breeds derived from the Siamese. You got the Balinese, the Bengal cat, the Burman, Burmese, Havana brown, color point short hair, Himalayan, the Javanese, OCI cat, uh, uh, let's see, Savannah, Snowshoe, Thai Cat, to- to- Tonkinese. In The Wizard of Oz, the Siamese cat is uh, the cause for Dorothy missing the balloon back to Kansas. Uh, 
A Rolling Stone song under my thumb has uh, Bob Dylan mentions it and like a Rolling Stone. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think, uh, what is it, Elvis? Is it? That's uh, George's cat. Uh, you know, for more cat stuff, listen to Stephen's podcast for sure. What about penguins? Uh, they're aquatic flightless birds that uh, live exclusively in the southern hemisphere, except for the Galapagos penguin is north of the equator. Uh, they're adapted for life in the water. They have countershaded sh- counter dark and white plumage. Uh, wings have evolved into flippers. Uh, they feed on krill, fish, squid, and other forms of sea life. While swimming underwater, they catch them. They spend about half their lives on land and half at sea. And they're popular being in movies. I mean, that's the one thing. Uh, and to Jason, according to Jason, uh, they are uh, mythical creatures, which I can see why. I mean, you get one look at the southern rock opera penguin, and you're going to say, if you're not going to say it's a, a mythical, you're going to say it's uh, if, epic. Uh, okay, centaurs, that's something I definitely want to cover here. A centaur or hippocentaur is a mythological creature with the upper body of a human and lower body and legs of a horse. Uh, yeah, originally, they were uh, born of uh, Ixon and Nephele, uh, the cloud made in the image of Hera. Another version uh, makes them child of a certain Centaurus uh, who mated with Manganesian mares, uh, who was the son of, uh, like, so extra or Apollo. And so, a lot of different possibilities of ancestry for Centaurs. Uh, they inhabited a region around Magnesia and Mount Pelion and uh, Thessaly, Thessaly, the Folio Oak Forest in Lise and uh, southern Laconia. Uh, there's some that lived on Cyprus. Uh, they may have been fathered by Zeus uh, in frustration after uh, Aphrodite wouldn't give him the time of day. Uh, what do we got? Uh, they're known for that they don't like the lap, lapithis. Uh, uh, let's see, this is complicated stuff. I didn't realize they had to, are these I thought these were fake creatures. This history makes it sound real. Uh, a lot of depictions in classical art, uh, theories on their origin. Uh, might have been, oh, this is interesting. When you talk about even the fictional fantasy books, the first reaction of a non-writing culture uh, to nomads mounted on horses, uh, thought maybe that's what they were at first. Uh, uh, so that's possible. Um, let's see. They're described as the inventors of horseback riding by Greek writers. Uh, 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 this is just trying to track where they came from. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for more like, uh, uh, th- this is all their history. I was looking for more of like their personalities and stuff like that. Uh, instead of the history of the history of the centaurs, like, uh, you know, what what's up with them? What are the top uh, myths? Uh, let's see if we look up a centaur here. Now that has all the, um, so it's a little bit. I don't want to dig it too deep in there and get lost. What about owls? That's a great question. They're, they're uh, birds from, uh, there's 200 species, solitary and nocturnal birds of prey, 
typified by upright stance, uh, binocular vision, binaural hearing, those sweet, sweet talons, the feathers for silent flight. Exceptions include the diurnal uh, northern hawk owl and the gregarious burrowing owl. Oh, that burrowing owl. I can't get enough of it. Uh, mostly they deal with small mammals, insects, and other birds. Uh, some specialize in fish. All regions of the earth are found on, except for polarized cats and a few remote islands. Uh, there's there's the uh, uh, true or typical owl family and then the barn owl family. Uh, forward-facing eyes, uh, eyes and ear holes, uh, uh, hawk-like beak, uh, flat face, uh, conspicuous circle of feathers, facial discus around each eye. Uh, the feathers making up of this disc can be adjusted to sharply focus sounds uh, uh, from varying distances into the owl. I wonder what they think about the podcast and the asymmetrically placed ear cavities. Uh, most birds of prey have their eyes on the sides of their heads, but uh, the stereoscopic nature of the owl's forward-facing eyes from its greater sense of depth perception for low-light hunting. So they, their eyes are probably like a f, f step, uh, like a, less than 1.4 even, 0.08, maybe even lower than that. Uh, although they have binocular vision, their large eyes are fixed in their sockets, uh, as are those of most other birds. Uh, so they have to turn their head to change views. Uh, as owls are far-sighted, they're unable. Oh, no wonder they don't like it when I talk close to them. They can't clearly see anything with a few cent- within a few centimeters. I said, "Can you read this contract I have? Uh, you know, I want you to be like my Harry Potter owl. Uh, owls can rotate their head over 270 degrees. 14. So that's some cool stuff about owls. 14 neck vertebrae." Uh, what about combination skin, Scoots? What about it? Uh, well, uh, here's uh, from Allure, Seven Signs You Have Combination Skin and How to Deal With It by Maddie Aberman, June 13, 2016. Uh, if you're oily or dry, I feel like I'm one of both of those. Uh, it starts, but when you have a little bit of both, uh, that's when it gets complicated. You get too hydrated with hydrating creams, oil absorption masks uh, too absorbing, and balancing lotions don't balance. Uh, but they say it's uh, super common. So uh, if any of these statements sound true, you may have combination skin. Uh, 20 minutes after washing your face, you see oiliness in certain parts of your face, but not others. I think that's true for me. When you uh, use a moisturizer for your skin, it makes your cheeks feel good, but your T-zone looks like an oil slick. What's your T-zone? I think that's like uh, under your eyes. Uh, that's me. The pores on your face, your nose are larger than the pores on your cheek and jawline. Definitely true for me. You have dandruff. Uh, maybe, I don't know, I have enough hair, I don't think. Uh, you get breakouts and dry patches at the same time. Yeah. State of your T-zone is determined by the weather. That is true for me. If it's humid, I'm probably oily. Your flaky layers are in your T-zone. Yeah, so I guess I have combination skin. And you can link to this Lure article if you have it and want some advice. What about horse ballets? Are they actually a thing? It turns out this New Republic article, they are. As it loads uh, slowly, let's see. Uh, Ballet for Horses, eight writers on the meaning of Olympic sports dressage. Uh, 
often described as a horse belly. This is by Charlotte Shane, October, August 9th, 2016. Uh, you know, it talks about dressage and uh, watching it. If you're in, if you aren't in the habit of thinking about the mechanics of a canter, you won't notice the leading leg switch that, that takes place during a flying change. And if you can only cheer for a competitor who pants with exertion at the end of their performance, you'll be disappointed. Uh, to the casual observer, dressage appears to require less than, than uh, athleticism, as does competitive dog dancing. Uh, but like ballet, the sport is associated, and, oh, it's also associated, associated with wealth and refined sensibility. Oh, that's why Romney tried to get rid of his, uh, his uh, dressage horses. I think a dressage, maybe? I don't know. Uh, in our favorite fictions, uh, spirited non-wealthy children can excel. But National Velvet, Mist- Misty, Black Stallion. Uh, let's see. But uh, as Americans, we like our horses like we like to imagine ourselves heedless, powerful, and selectively friendly. Uh, well, modern dressage has its roots in training cavalry steeds, where obedience was paramount. Uh, the so this a little bit is a really. Uh, Article, nice little, the increasing, increasing, uh, let's see, the dissonance between the horse's instinctive movement and the elements of dressage is what makes it such a triumph. Uh, The horse is expected to be exposed to, you know, flight or fright. Uh, uh, So uh, the fact that it lets a human guide it around is already wonder. Uh, so what some may characterize as mastery over, others perceive as cooperation with. A good riding is a partnership. Uh, no equestrian competitor, quoting, can participate in the Olympics without a horse they've committed to, meaning there can be no substitutions, no changes. Uh, they're committed to their horse. So that's a, I like that uh, way to close it out uh, and settle you in. Good night. Uh, one thing everybody recently reviewed the podcast on the uh, Apple Podcasts uh, from Canada, Craf, C R A F, double J C D T double H. Fantastic to fall asleep to. Uh, never once been able to make it through a whole episode. Uh, B Dings, Lifesaver, discovered on Spotify. Uh, and uh, helped me fall asleep. Uh, Worked. I use it at least three times a week. I uh, love the on location and nuns in space. Uh, here's a caution don't use heavy machinery while listening to this podcast. That's from uh, Reba. Oh, Reba. Reba. Uh, Reba uh, put a quarter in a tree. Uh, Rita uh, tied her finger to a stitch. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's, I don't think that is how it goes, but. Uh, uh, Johnny Gizmo says, uh, filing down the rabbit hole of sleep, challenging myself to follow the narration, but I can't. Uh, feels like a toddler wandering around in a maze of conversation, uh, waddling around. Uh, five stars, so they, they, they mean it like, they, they, like in a good way, which is a great uh, compliment. Uh, uh, Flapjack1029, one of my favorite favorite flapjacks was 1,000... In 28th and 29th flapjacks I consumed in my life, uh, just what I needed. Whether I'm uh, sick or mind racing or need a good friend, Scoots is perfect person for the job. Uh, Bibber says, uh, worst thing I've ever subject myself to. Honestly, what do people find soothing about this thing? Uh, not to mention my, like, some mean things, and then not to mention mindless circular banter. 
what they, they really just they don't like the show i'm sorry bibber hopefully find something to help you sleep because it sounds like you might need here you go we get a good this is my uh anyway miss maddie may who uh was a song there was a rod stewart song that didn't come out about maddie may uh says thank you scooter probably best sleep podcast ever always had trouble falling asleep uh five stars thanks for reading this thank you scooter I fell asleep before the story even started. Uh, here comes Lyndon Root, who says, best cure for my insomnia. Uh, my, my all overactive mind during my adult years. A scooter's great uh, taking me to somewhere else. I used music, uh, but my mind still wanders. When Scooter talks, uh, those words of my mind I can let go and relax. I believe it works so well. When my mind is overactive, it's constantly chattering. And not playing music, so his words replace exactly my mind's words, so I can relax. I'm a teacher and a parent, and I take my work home with me. Uh, so thank you. Happy to help. That's from Eric, a.k.a. Lindenroot. Uh, soothing voice of an angel. <laughs> so, so some people like my voice and some people don't. Uh, it's the way the world is, though, you know. I eat my poo. I eat my poo. Oh, that was good. you got me there. That's a good one. I love that. I think I've read this one before, and I, did I fall for this joke twice? Seriously, if, if you listen to the thank yous and I fell for this joke twice, please let me know. That was a good one. I eat my poo. If you say it like that, it's like a southern accent, too. I eat my poo. If you say it, I, never, I never knew that joke. This is And probably I fell for it already like two weeks ago. Uh, but it's all in fun humor because they say, I eat my poo. Uh Darn tootin' it. That's what I want to say at the end of it. Soothing voice of an angel. Has everyone to- told you your voice sounds like the love child of Jeff Goldblum and Ben Stein? Perfectly and wonderfully soothing. Listen, to Quad Tower is delightful. I'm honestly excited for bed. That's my job. Uh, thanks for what you're doing. Sincerely, Soupy. And then comes in at Kelso Pants, uh, who doesn't like it. Uh, uh, they, they, they just go on and on a little bit. Uh, Said the intro's too long. That's why I put the intro. You can skip it if you like, uh, but it's a show within a show. I realize some people, it's it's kind of a, like a tough thing for me because the intro is beloved uh, and uh, kind of a part of the show. And I guess if you like the intro, like like that's why I put the cut to cut ahead because it's like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to do. Like uh, we did try sleep to strange. And the patrons get story only episodes, but uh, like uh, the story, the intros kept, without the intro, the podcast would just blunder into a story. So I find the intro anchors people and welcomes them. Uh, it, it gives them an idea that I'm not going to make it a lot of sense because uh, since the intro takes 12 minutes, uh, but it's not uh, 12 minutes of advertising. There's really only three or four or five minutes tucked in there. And that's the only way to keep the show for free. I don't want to put it behind a paywall. Uh, anyway, K- KT, Scoots, Scoots is trying to talk. I was just trying to talk Kelso Pants to see my side. You know, I see your side, Kelso. I, I, would love, I, I did do it for a long time, just story only, uh, sleep to strange. But we just didn't have the support to keep it going. Uh, so, but now, so that is available to the patrons and, and pretty popular. People like making playlists of the story on the episodes. So you're actually right, Kelso. Uh, so thanks. Uh, thanks for uh, confirming everybody's right. People that love the intro are right. People that love the story are right. It's more for, for what's appropriate for a free public podcast, I guess. Uh, 
is uh, the story only part doesn't work as well. Gift of gentleness, uh, the gift of rambliness for me. That comes from KT twenty nine twenty nine twenty nine. Thanks, Scoots, a gentle, goofy friend of Waffle. You off to sleepy land? I run a playlist back to back. Have better nights of sleep with a, with a pair of crazy cans on my head than I would without them. Sometimes I wake up at three a.m. There's uh, it's, uh, someone lovely there, still waffling away to me. Uh, my state of mind is immeasurably improved. I wonder what my neighbors think. Uh, that I'm a happy dreamer, I guess, which I am, thanks to Scoot. So it's very nice. Uh, here's another one. Let's see if I can get Persdatter. Persdatter. Persdatter from Norway. Uh, really works for me. Struggle with stressed and ang- anxious stuff. Uh, analyzing, overthinking. Not easy on my brain. I've tried different things, uh, but I haven't been able to sleep before I found this podcast. Uh, I can't believe how fast I fall asleep. I have a brain that gets interested and intrigued by smallest things, but it's nothing to be intrigued by here. And I mean that in the best possible way. Uh, hypnotizing voice and calm speaking, speaking calms me down so I can fall asleep. I'm so grateful. Thanks. Thanks. I'm grateful that, uh, you, you help it. And then shiverless, shiver chivalrously chivalrous lefty chivalrous lefty says uh, stick with it it's meant to be weird weird wonderful charming helps me get to sleep at least once a week uh, normally with a smile on my face give a give it a few listens to get used to its sadness uh, thank you and thanks everybody that supports the show uh sleeping Beast listeners supported uh by the patrons and the people that support the sponsors we grow uh by people that spread the word so 100 percent dependent on the listeners uh uh, to keep the show going, who, who listeners that depend on the show, I depend on them. It's a great relationship we have here. I'm really appreciative of everybody. And uh, what else? Uh, oh, we're part of Night Vale Presents. Check out all the amazing shows they do over at nightvalepresents.com. Check out our merch store, sleepwithmepodcast.com. And uh, we're also part of PRX. So you can see all the amazing things they're doing, particularly uh, working, there's going to be new initiatives, prx.org. If you're a creator or a podcaster, keep an eye on that page. Keep an eye on what they're doing. And that's it. Let me get, you know, if you need another episode, it's ready to go. Just cue it up. Uh, warm it up, Chris. I'm about to warm it up, Scoots. Well, uh, Lullin, that's what I was born to do. My brain's done full of goo. Uh, and uh, good night. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. All right, everybody, we're talking about episode nine. Don't let the good life pass you by.